Christ, you people suck. Wow. Wolverine on it. G Radio. This is our game of the year 2021. Unlike other places, we waited until the, you know the year was over and all the games were out. But anyway, on the show this week, we will have Anthony. Hello. We will have the Wombat. Yep. We have Jay joining us. Welcome. Thank you, Bonjarno. It's been a while, fellas. It has. Uh, and Drew, fashionably late. He will be here, though. He has to tell us what his wife's favorite game is. Remember that. <laughs> anyway, so every year we kind of do this. We bring you know people on the show. They get their lists curated. And then we have a discussion about the best games of 2021. I don't know about y'all, but I heard a lot of dialogue on Twitter of like 2021 was a bad year. And as I was like doing my list, I was like, how is this a bad year? <laughs> I don't think... Nonsense. I don't think it's a bad year. I think... Um... In comparison to 2020, I think, and this is probably just because the pandemic delayed a bunch of stuff, this year wasn't as hard-hitting as 2020. I I think the interesting thing about this year is that when I was picking my number one, number two, number three, there weren't, like, games that are like, oh, yeah, these are the ones that are head and shoulders above everything else. It didn't come to mind immediately, but there were so many great games that they were very similar in quality and the impact that they've uh, left on me. So in that way, I could kind of see it. But you also have to realize that the people that are kind of saying those things is that they have a very limited amount of like genres they're looking into, right? So they're not looking at like the indie games that are coming out. They're not looking at like like the more, I guess, the Japanese RPGs and other things of that nature that might have come out. So if they only care about like first-person shooters, then yeah, there has only been like a handful of those that are like actually excellent this year but if you are talking about a wide range of genres you know indie triple a double a and all that stuff i think there's a tremendous amount of games that came out that are fantastic agreed yeah there was there was i was going through my list i was like damn there's a lot of really good games that came out this year but anyway let's kick it off anthony i'm gonna go to you first quickly throw uh some special mentions out mostly um stuff that i I couldn't put it on my list for one reason or another. Cruise and Blast, very good game. Uh, I just want to mention it because I think people should play it. I think uh, Hot Wheels kind of stole the spotlight with all the licenses, um, but Cruise and Blast is arguably the better game. Oh, it's not even—it's Com- not even an argument. Uh, yeah, Cruise and Blast well, you know what I mean. You know what I mean, though. Like, it is a better game, but I feel like the, again, the conversation is Hot Wheels. What's funny is time. I don't like, the conversation of Hot Wheels was like lasted all of like twenty minutes. 
I still see people talk about it, and it's just like, man, like, try Cruising Blast. I think you'll have a better time. Oh, 100%. Like, I played Hot Wheels, I think, before Cruising Blast, and then I played Cruising Blast, and I'm like, I immediately almost deleted Hot Wheels. I'm like, I'm never going to play this again. <laughs> it was just something that couldn't make my list for a reason I can't put my finger on. Like, it's just, it's a very good game, but I think it's simplicity. It would be like, you know, picking a Space Invaders game, you know, it would be really weird in comparison to the depth and the emotion that other games had, but it's a very good game and you should play it. Um, Famicom Detective Club, really like those. Um, they show their age, though, and um, it's, it's weird because, like, those are the only two games that are in the series, so they'd have to make new ones if they wanted to continue it. Um, but they were really well done. Uh, Shadow what, Man... Re- what sorry? year did the uh, Famicom games originally come out? I know they are a remake, but I don't know when the original They were NES, out. right? They really? Were f- original Famicom disc system. Um, and <clears throat> what's crazy is... And I wrote in my review, but I don't have it here. What's crazy is I actually looked up footage when I did my review because I wanted to see how true 1988 and i'm gonna tell you right now they don't feel like 1988 games um because these are really well done remasters essentially um new art but the gameplay is the same and there's certain moments where it's a visual novel but then there's something that happens in the background and i'm like did they do that in the original and they did and it's so well done and i went Oh my god, they they recreated this scene for scene. Like they didn't have to they didn't have to uh change anything. Like they were so advanced at the time that this plays like a semi-modern uh visual novel still. Um but for a game that came out in 1988 and I imagine they changed a lot of aspects of the visuals and possibly some parts of the uh the gameplay, but the story needs to remain basically the same, doesn't it? Yes. Does it still hold up for a game from 88. Oh, that's that's what's crazy. Yes it does. Wow. I was surprised, but the the gameplay really hasn't changed much because I think they did a very good job originally. There's a few moments where I went Man, having to talk to the same character on the same subject multiple times is a very old style of visual novel. But outside of that aspect, everything seemed right. Like, I've played other visual novels. This seemed like it's on par with other visual novels. Um, The visuals have all changed. They have full voice acting in Japanese, which makes sense because it takes place in Japan. Um... But, like, outside of a few moments, I was like, wow, these are really well done. Um, And, like, again, going back to the Super Nintendo and the Famicom originals, um, because I did remake this game once before in Japan. um, Yeah, they haven't changed much. Obviously, I'm working off of fan translations to see how much the story has changed. But they hit hit the same beats. And, uh, yeah, I was really shocked by how good those games were. Um, But, like, in a world of 2021 where there was a lot of good games it wasn't going to make my list still um and the other one is olea which i loved it was a great platformer game came out at the beginning of the year um but it's just wasn't going to make my list so i'll start off with skip um, over shadow man i thought you started to say oh yeah sorry shadow man remastered yes i said it and then i didn't uh we went back to famicom detective club yeah shadow man remastered it's what i remember shadow man being going back to the original shadow man it's rough to play the original shadow man on anything other than the remastered version um obviously i played on pc it's not on consoles yet 
It's out this uh, week, I love... baby. I can't wait. Oh, I haven't well, I haven't played timing. it yet, and I and I've been dying. Have to you pl- play? You've played it before, right? I played the original. I played it on N sixty four and PlayStation. Yeah, yeah. So um, I love Shadow Man, um, but in, in terms of a remaster, it's one of those. We, they did a lot of technical stuff to it, but like Quake, it, like because I didn't play Quake the remaster, so I can't speak to it. It wasn't enough of a change. It's like, oh, this plays like I remember and I like the game already. It's the reason why I didn't put Wonder Boy, The Dragon's Trap at the top of my list that remake, the year the remake came out, because I already love the game. So it's not really fair to anything that's brand new. If you can change my mind or make me feel better about the game as a remake or remaster, then we have a conversation. But if it's just making me feel the same things I felt long ago... um. You've done a good job as a remaster, but I don't know if that's enough to make a game of the year list. I think that's a prelude to one of the games on your list. Yes. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. So um, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna mention one. I have a biggest disappointment and a worst game. Um, my biggest disappointment. I thought it might be Metroid Dread, but it wasn't. It was Eastward. Um, visually, that game is stunning, but playing that game was a fucking chore, and I gave up on it. Um, too much dialogue, not enough gameplay. The dialogue didn't make me feel anything. It just seemed like filler to try to tell a story and make these characters more quirky. And that is not how you make a game. Uh, plain and simple. I know there's a bunch of people that love that game. They kind of sold it like, oh, it's like a Zelda game. It's really not. It's really more of a visual novel that just really takes its time and is uninteresting. Uh, with some moments where it plays like Zelda. Um, you know, they have that Earthbound art style. It, from pictures, I followed that game for years, and for it to be what it is, is very disappointing. Um, because it's like you looked at other video games for your inspirations, but you learned none of the lessons that they had to offer. That sounds, so that's that sounds my... like the Dark Souls comment, kind of. Yeah, yeah. You took a it, shortcut, it, it... you gained nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I was I thought you were mentioning like uh, like my how I feel about Dark Souls where it's like a lot of people look at Dark Souls and then try to make their own version without learning any of the lessons that Dark Souls has to offer about game design. That's what Eastward did. Eastward looked at Zelda and looked at uh Earthbound and took none of the lessons for the story from Earthbound and none of the gameplay lessons from Zelda and it made its own thing, but that's not good. Um I'll save my worst game for right before number 1. Um Number 10, It Takes Two. It was going to make my list. Uh, I think it's one of the best platformers out there. Um, there's been a lot of discussion about it recently about being a family game. Uh, it's not. I, <laughs> no. I don't know why they won that award, but uh, it's not a family game. Uh, it's about a divorce, and like, there's only so many ways that can end. So, you know, pick your poison on how you think that ends. It's still probably not healthy for children to see, because divorce is multifaceted as are most human relations. Uh, number nine, Biomutant. Sometimes you just want to have a game that you kind of turn your brain off and go in hack and slash and loot and stuff, and that's kind of Man, what Biomutant so, is. So many people shat on that game, and I enjoyed the hell out of that game. It's It was my sort of Fallout 3 not doing the main storyline type of game. You know, like, oh, I'm just going to wander. Oh, what's that shiny thing, right? Like, I... Like I, I, that game I, a lot, and I love the fucking dialogue. It was so I don't know the the cricket. It's weird talking the, to you. It just... Yeah, and like all the things like 
the paths that you're going through and like the leveling up and and armor and there was a lot of customization. Uh, I think a Bio Mutant Two would be great because I think it would fix a lot of the sort of shortcomings of this. Like as much as I like the cricket does all the dialogue, you know, if you're gonna pay people to make little noises, like just pay people to read your dialogue. Um, but I like the world that I was exploring and everything. So yeah, I, I put it on my list. It was like one of those like ah, you know, like but I put like. I didn't finish it, but I put a lot of time into it. And, like, I don't think finishing it was the point of me playing Biomutant. It was more of have fun. Oh, you um, didn't get to pick did. who was on your ship. I don't care. <laughs> it, I, really, I it really didn't I like make... hacking and slashing, and I liked shooting, and I liked looting, and it was all the things that I wanted to do with Biomutant when I saw it, and I did it, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I, I really like that game. Driving a little hovercraft around, piloting a mech. These are all things that you get to do. It's awesome. The, yeah, the um, mech and the boat and the hovercraft and yeah, that yeah. Game was cool. Um, number eight, Eternal Cylinder. Uh, rarely, rarely does a game feel alien, like truly alien. Everything that's alien is always just kind of like what you'd expect. Right? Like, uh, great people, you know, like big mushrooms. And Eternal Cylinder made this world that seems completely unreal. And I loved it. It's a survival game that, survival crafting game, but it tries to follow none of the rules that other games have set out on that. And it does a really good job of reinventing how crafting and. Uh, survival aspects work because the cylinder is always moving and you only have so much time um, you know before you have to move on forward in the game and the cylinder starts rolling again and then there's these weird enemies and Ace Team really knocked it out of the park with this I think um, it's both visually the most accessible game that they've made um, that's that's purely theirs except maybe Rock of Ages um, and just it's one of the most fun games I played this year. It's so different from everything else, and I loved it. And I love the narrator, and I love the alien design. The trebums are bloody stupid looking things, and I love them all because they all change form. And um, and then there's the body horror aspect, which I wasn't expecting, but it's there. And uh, yeah, I really like the Eternal Cylinder a lot. Um, number seven is Bowser's Fury. I could include Super Mario 3D World, but like another one of those remakes where the changes are minimal. It kind of plays how I remember, not how it actually played. Um, but Bowser's Fury alone was worth the price. Um, everybody just needs to play it. If you like 3D Mario and you haven't played Bowser's Fury, you need to play Bowser's Fury. It's one of the best 3D Mario experiences. It's short, it's concise, and all I want them to do is make more of that just longer. So you know, take, like, the world of Bowser's Fury and then just make more worlds like that that are these slowly expanding environments that all kind of link together and have their own separate stars. And, oh, man, that, that game is so good. And you can play it co-op, which breaks the game entirely because it makes it too easy. But, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, co-op in Nintendo games a lot of times breaks them. Yeah, kind of the yeah well, I mean, this 3D world doesn't it actually makes it harder but like yeah it's 
it's a really good experience just for that. But you also get 3D World, which is a really amazing and super difficult towards the end um, Mario game. Um, number six, Jay's not back, unfortunately. Um, Nosia. Uh, Nosia. Oh, you're here. I'm, Good. Yeah, I'm, I'm eating, but I'm listening. Okay. Um, so Nosia, I got early on in the year. I bought it. Uh, a friend turned me on to it. It is a visual novel slash deduction game where you are trying to... They, they People have been selling it as Among Us, but a visual novel. That's not really what it is. It's... That's the kind of main loop of the gameplay, because it is a time loop game. Um, and I thought at first, oh, this isn't a very good one of those, because the deduction aspect of the game is very simple and is built around stats. So you can build up your lying stat, you can build up your, like, uh, what is it, deception, you can be able to spot other people lying easier, um, and you level up by, like, winning every round. Because eventually the round ends once the Nocio win or the humans win. And that isn't the main focus of the game. The main focus, that at first it's just win or lose. And you have different roles, and the, the roles have different abilities within the conversation, and you can either choose to expose yourself in the role or lie and say you're in the role. It's There's a lot of choices. But what it really is about is figuring out more about each character that you come across. And it's figuring out what you have to do to reach that next sequence in that person's... Um, uh, information tab so like in the computer everybody has like oh you need you have this person has four sequences that you need to see or four pieces of information you need to get and so it's trying to figure out what you have to do when they show up in the loop because not everybody's in every loop and to get to those sequences and that was extremely fun once i realized i was trying to find information and every time you got to another aspect of the story and not just the loop. It was exciting. It was invigorating. And it has one of the best endings. That That is so well done. I It kind of blew me away. I thought about this game all year. Um, it wasn't really talked about. It's supposed to be coming to PC. Because it's only Switch right now. Um, I've been waiting for this PC release. And they keep delaying it. There's no information. It's been terrible. Yeah. I love it. It's like I said, it's number six, uh, just because there was better games I think that hit me harder this year. But Nosia is fantastic. We like um, visual novels that don't just give you the story that you kind of have to solve a very different type of puzzle to get. I, I recommend it full heartedly. Um, also, one of the most unique set of characters ever. <laughs> Some of the stuff you find out is bizarre. Number five, uh, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl. Um, yeah, it's a lot like what I remember, but they've added a bunch of stuff, which is always a good thing for Pokemon. And after being sort of turned off with the Pokemon X and Y and kind of what it was becoming to return to the series and feel like, no, this is a better version of the game I played a decade plus ago. Um, yeah, I mean, 
man, I Diamond and Pearl are my favorite Pokemon games, and Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl just add on that. Um, the Underground has been changed to add new content. Um, you know, the Mystery Gift, I don't have to buy Pokemon Ranger again. I did at the time. Like, it's just fantastic. And the way that they solve the problems of, like, not having a dual screen works really well. And, yeah, I just, I love this game. I, maybe it's, maybe I'm cheating, but it's, like, uh, because it doesn't follow my rules about remakes. But it's, it does change, like, that, just the fact the experience shares on all Pokemon. And doesn't feel like it absolutely breaks the game is great for me. Like, I just think that's fantastic. Um and I hated it in X and Y. I thought it was too powerful in X and Y. So I don't know if they changed it. I love seeing all the Pokemon in 3D, so it's like I don't have to have um, Battle Revolution, which was the last, like, Pokemon Stadium-type game for Wii. It's everything I want out of Pokemon game. I don't need anything more than this. And I'll play Pokemon Legends Arceus, but no, to me, this is where Pokemon peaked and should just stay this way. Uh, number four is what I think Ken was expecting. Uh, Skyward Sword HD. <laughs> I hated the original Skyward Sword with passion, and uh, I loved the Switch version. And it's because it fixed a lot of the problems that I had. Uh, Fee doesn't talk as much. The sword combat works on the analog stick. So I, use the analog instead of the uh, the motion mo- controls. Yep, and I loved it. I Thought can't it tell fine. you the last time I removed the Joy Cons from my Switch. Fucking hate those things. I I also tried to play uh, Skyward Sword uh, again. I tried the Wii U version ages ago, but I never really gave it a fair shot until the Switch version. And I I put in maybe about four or five hours. I it just didn't hook me. I kept switching back between the motion controls and the analog. Every time I would use the analog, I felt like it was more playable, but I felt like I was missing out on the point of the game at the same time. So it kind of left like a bad taste in my mouth when I was using it that way. So it's like, I don't know. It just, it just isn't for me. I got everything. I got every heart piece. I, did, I think it totaled out around 40 hours. And, Which was uh, the tutorial in the original game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just it, right? Like the, the game originally had too much handholding. And this one decided, like, no, like, that's not what this game is about. We're not going to tell you every time you pick up the same item. Um, And, yeah, it was way better than what I gave it credit for at the time because I hated the original. Um, And so to change my mind on a game I hated, I think, goes a long way. And to make it a game I love, you know, says even more. Um, But it couldn't beat out number three, which is new Pokemon Snap. I've been wanting new Pokemon Snap. I've been wanting a new Pokemon Snap for years, and it's perfect. I mean, they added more content after the fact, um, and, like, what was there was great. The only thing that we came short of is, like, in the original, uh, there was puzzles to solve where they called them, I think, Pokemon Constellations or something like that. And, like, it was... Pokemon that were in the environment and you could only get it like a split second of a shot because every like the environment lined up in a certain way and I kind of wish they had stuff like that but what they've done in in return is allow you to take multiple shots of every Pokemon so instead of having one shot for Pikachu there's four shots and each shot refers to a different pose 
and it's getting all four poses for every Pokemon. That's the puzzle. And at first I was like, ah, it's not the same. But slowly I realized, actually, that's way better because it allows people to finish the game. And for those who want to find every pose, that's that's more game for you. And like some of them are way more difficult than just lining up the environment like the original was. Um, so yeah, I I loved it. It was exactly what I wanted, and it looks beautiful. It's like oh, I get to see Pokemon fly around and interact with each other, and um, yeah, it was. I, I really loved Pokemon Snap. I, I played that while well, night shift. I would um, on my lunch, I would play Pokemon Snap because it would allow me about two runs through a level. And I just kept going through trying to get my scores up. So, um, number two was a, this is where the this is where the tough decisions come in, and it'll reveal what my number one is. But my number two is Psychonauts two. Well, yeah, I know what number one is. Yeah, 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 you do. <laughs> um, but I loved Psychonauts two. I'd give it a ten out of ten. Um, I it made me emotional. But in a good way, like I cried, it was sad, but it, like art should touch you sometimes and make you sad and make you feel things. Um, the music was amazing. The voice acting was amazing. I want to call it that performance by Jack Black. Uh, he does a fantastic job. Um, but yeah, so here's this jokey sequel to a jokey-ish game that kind of covered some mental stuff like trauma and and you know but here they are doing like even more and discussing like OCD and and memory and everything and yeah I I loved it it was uh, a fantastic game and to nail the 3D platforming too on top of that I I went and got every trophy or not trophy uh, achievement um, for it because I just loved it that much. Um, oh fuck! So here's my worst game. Do anybody want to take a guess? No, no. That you played? Yeah. <clears throat> oh man. Is it a, is it a review game? I did not review it, but we did review uh, it on the site. I want to say it was uh, Ken that reviewed it. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't know what. It's twelve minutes. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't review that game. Oh, okay. Worst game, well, really? Nobody, okay. nobody reviewed this game. Nobody oh, reviewed good. this game. Oh, I thought we reviewed it. Okay, yeah, worst game. Um, So, like I said with Eastward, looked at other games, learned nothing from it, but decided that it was going to be a loop game and be just one of the worst logic puzzles I've ever seen in a video game. Yeah. Um, plus, the twist is one of the worst story twists I've ever heard. It's awful. I quit this game because it was so fucking stupid. <laughs> I was tired of getting to the end and being told, nah. And then when I found out what you have to do to get to the end is just keep losing and having to, like... Ugh. yeah. So there's another game. If, you, if, if for some reason you're like, oh man, 12 minutes, the idea of 12 minutes sounds good. Don't play it. The story's bad. Go play Sexy Brutal. That's a better time loop game. It fucking irritates the shit out of me. That it just it, And why is there a time loop? I don't fucking know. Yeah, that, that never made any sense. 
Because was, because fuck you, this game loop. is a waste of time. The and the other the other time loop game that came out this year, I, I heard was actually really good. What was it called? Forgotten um, City. Forgotten City. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that one's good. And Death Loop. There was multiple time loop games this year, and all of them are better than this piece of shit. And yeah. you might say, well, but why is it the worst game? Because in in other point and click games. There'd be a way to speed up the process, but it's only kind to you in that way when they're going to make you wait in the closet. Well, they also do it at the very end, like when you're trying to actually get all the endings to the game. They will just be like, wait for the guy to show up. I'm like, okay, cool. So I don't Well, that's great. That. So, so there's no hint system built into this game. Like, not even him got, talking to himself. Yeah. And they got all these great actors involved. And this game is fucking terrible. And it's just, it seems like the culmination of Annapurna's nonsense, I guess is what I'm going to call it. Like, oh, we make high art. Well, you push the limits of that because this is not art as a video game. This is a bad story and a bad game. So what do we have left here? Like, visuals? Sure, I guess. It sounds fine. But like... It's you. You would do all these things. You think you'd have the puzzle solved. You get to the end, and no. So what? I'm, what was the goal? That that was my biggest issue. Was what was the goal to get out of the time loop? Apparently not. So it, I hated it. I think it's a bad video game. And you might say, oh, it's not the worst of this year. But like, Balan Wonderworld, that game's not as bad as everybody makes it out to be. I played it. It the demo was terrible. If you played the demo, I played the demo. It was fucking bad, and I've heard the Switch version's even worse. But that game is fine. It's it's just not great. It's um, when you want every button med- on your controller to be the jump button. That's yeah, it's a mediocre platformer, and that's that's it from from Square Enix and two people that made Sonic. So yeah, it looks bad, but it's a mediocre platformer. At the end of the day, it's a five. Um. I didn't play Popeye. That's the other thing that I can say. I didn't play Popeye. I wasn't going to buy Popeye because it's like $5 in Canada. And you know. Man, I almost so, spent that $3.89 just to see how bad it was, but I didn't. I've watched videos. I, I can I can attest that it's probably the worst game of the year. But out of the ones that I played personally, 12 minutes. Just, I want my time back. I want my, I want my was, 40 I, minutes was, or 12 minutes. It was minutes. only 20, 12 minutes, man. I don't know what the big deal is. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's more like 40 minutes. And it's not, so it'd be one thing if you're living in a 12-minute loop, but not you're not plus. even living in a 12-minute loop. No, it. it's, it, it's, it's longer than 40 minutes. Yeah. No, but that's where I quit. Yeah, no, I, I put probably four hours in this game. Yeah, fuck that noise, yeah. Yeah, so my number one... Ken? Inscription. It is it inscription. Is. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, so take a card game that I want to be real, and add a bunch of other shit to it, and then had some weird story attached to it because weird shit's my jam. Um, fuck, man, how, how could it not win? Like, I, all I want to do is play the card game that's in this with a friend in real life. Like, it was that good of a card game. They didn't need to do anything else. But no. They absolutely went above and beyond in every step of this game. 
I can't talk about it any more than that because I'll ruin the game for you. Yeah. That's what's the worst part about this is like the the fact that Devolver put it on their website that I the, the let me see here um inscription let me just pull up their their page. If you go to the inscription website, it's not that. But if you go to devolverdigital.com's inscription page, um. The less I say, the better. Tana Tan Anthony Man for ZTGD is on the website from Devolver. Yeah, I can't tell you more than that because if I go into any detail, it ruins this experience. It's such a weird game. But if you like card games that have a kind of a unique playset, like, yeah, it feels a bit like Yu Gi Oh! and Pokemon, but it also doesn't play like those at all. It's this really good fucking card game and they built this weird shit about it and I can't get enough of it and all I do is think about like how this game could be better and that's not because there's any flaws in the game it's just like man what if they added multiplayer they've already added an endless mode like it just it blows my mind on how good inscription was because when I got it I was like oh yeah it's like a escape room mixed with a card game that's interesting it's way more than that there's way more in this game, and the escape room stuff has its own puzzles. It was it's just to get to it get more cards to build your deck. Like you, and then there's other ways to get more cards. And like, there's a there's a moment in the first section of the game when a mask flips upside down, and I went, "Oh my god." I didn't realize that. And I was like, ah, man, just there's a <laughs> sometimes there's just a game that built off of gameplay is fantastic. And that's this. Like if I could give it a higher score. So Psychonauts is a ten out of ten, and inscription is a ten out of ten with an asterisk for like just how how original this game felt to me. And it's like I played previous games from this developer um and he built upon aspects he had in his previous games for this and even that isn't the part that kind of blew me away um i'm sure i won't be the only person i'm sure i'm not the only person to say that's their game of the year um it's a game that you should experience if you don't like card games though you probably aren't gonna like it i'm sorry ken yeah, I'm out. I I have I read everything about it. I don't need to play it because I don't like those kind of games. Yeah, but man, it's I don't I'm care. About three hours into it, but holy crap! I'm just like I have to see the rest of this. <laughs> there's been and so true. many. There's been so many games like this where people just can't stop talking about it, but it's just not my jam, and I just I can't. And Drew, it only gets better. Yeah, I've already yeah. seen some weird stuff, mm-hmm. and I'm like, what? Yeah. And anyway. the only the only other thing that I want to say is the only game that I'm the only two games that I'm really disappointed I didn't get to this year are Chicory and Loop Hero. Because I feel like both of those were kind of made for me, but I didn't play them. Yeah, I want to play those two that I heard nothing but good things. Alright. Well that wraps up yours, so I'm gonna move on to I wanna hear Wombat's five played games of the year. Are you want me to go next? Yeah, I want you to go next. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so as Ken kind of referenced, um, mine's a little different this year because uh, I only played 
four games that I felt like I had played enough of to consider for this list. Um, and so they're, you know, so here's, here's the deal. I generally speaking, don't have time to play much. And so I generally only play things if either a it's in a series that I already know that I like, or B if it gets, um, substantial praise, uh, enough to the point where I'm like, okay, yeah, I should probably play that. Um, so I played four games, uh, 2021 games, I'll say a significant amount and all four are in my top four. (laughs) Um, because again, I generally don't play bad games. Uh, I do have a dishonorable mention though. Uh, but what I did want to do though, is I did play either some stuff that I didn't play enough to feel like I could include it on the list. Um, or that I don't necessarily like including on a game of the year list. Um, so I included those as honorable mentions just because I played them this year and because I felt like they should at least go on, uh, get mentioned somewhere. So uh, honorable mentions, I'm going to say MLB The Show 21. Uh, if nothing else, even though I, I didn't feel like it was quite as good as last year's game, um, if nothing else, because it finally came to uh, other systems than the PlayStation this year, and I think that was a uh, really awesome thing for a lot of people who've never had a chance to play the series before. Uh, and so I felt like it at least deserved to get an honorable mention for being more widely available now than it ever has been so that more people can play a real baseball game, um, a real MLB baseball game. So that gets an honorable mention. Um I don't normally like including DLC on these lists, but I'm going to give an honorable mention to the Wrath of the Druids DLC for um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla because uh, I thought it was good and I thought the story is good. Um, I'm going to give an honorable mention to Flight Simulator, uh, which I was super hyped for and uh, is really good, but just um, it's just not a game that suits the time that I have to play. Um, if I had, you know, hours of a day that I could just afford to fly and relax, uh, I would, this game would have been much higher on my list, but I don't have that time. So as it is, it's a neat, um, sort of escape. Uh, but I, I just don't have the time to invest in that game. The time that a game like that requires. Uh, and then the other one I'm adding that's technically disqualified, but I'm going to add it anyway, is Hades, because I didn't play it last year on the Switch. I only played it this year. Uh, and so if I had played it last year, it would have been on my list, uh, but I hadn't. So I figured I'd at least include it as an honorable mention this year. Nothing wrong with that. Um, the, uh, my, uh, <laughs> this one's going to be both an honorable mention and a disappointment in the same game. Um, and that's Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance. Uh, it gets an honorable mention from me for the fact that they created a game based on my favorite series of novels. Uh, and, uh, it's a, you know, a spiritual, at least successor to one of my favorite games from the PlayStation two era. And it gets a disappointment because it just wasn't very good. No, it was Um, not. And so I probably played more of it than most people because I'm so invested in the characters. Um, 
but man, it just it's just not very good. Uh, and I, I likely will go back and end up playing more of it for the same reason. Uh, but even while I'm playing it again, I will recognize that it's just not very good. Um, so yeah, that gets that gets a honorable mention slash disappointment from me. Um, so into my actual games again. There's only four of them, um, and I won't beat them to death because I'm I'm sure other people will have more to say about at least a couple of them than I will. But number four is Metroid Dread for me. Uh, I am not someone who is a huge fan of the Metroid series. Uh, it is not one of, with the exception of Super Metroid. Uh, it is not one of those series that has a ton of nostalgia for me. Um, I barely played the original during the NES era. Uh, I had Metroid 2 on Game Boy and hated it because it was hard as balls. Uh and uh, I did enjoy Super Metroid, uh, but Dread to me is um, really, really enjoyable. Uh, I I really like that game. I have not finished it yet. Uh, I'll just go ahead and mention that now. Um, but I have really enjoyed my time with it, and uh, I'm looking forward to continuing to play more of it. So um, that's... You know, I, I understand there's probably some folks who are huge fans of the series that were disappointed by the game, uh, but as someone who's not, uh, it was uh, really enjoyable for me. So um, that gets number four. Number three is Hitman 3. Um, that's a series that I'm a huge fan of. Um, and while I haven't finished the third one... Um, right. The, what what yeah. mission did you get up to? Uh, I remember. don't remember off the top of my head. Did you do the one in the manor? Uh, yes. Okay, good. Yes. Um, so that game is an extension of the awesome sort of soft reboot of that series. Um, I've loved every game uh, and every mission that they've done since they put that out. Um, I, I love the fact that in the third one, you can play all the levels from the first two as well. I think that's a super smart addition. Um, the graphics are fantastic. Um, it looks phenomenal and, uh, it's Hitman. So, um, yeah, there's, uh, there's that. Uh, number two uh, the top two won't be a surprise to anybody that's been listening to the show. Number two is Halo Infinite, um, which I mentioned last week I am of two minds of. There are parts of the game that I just absolutely adore, uh, and there are parts of it that are maddeningly frustrating. Um, and again, I, I spent probably way too much time talking about Halo Infinite last week, so I won't beat that horse to death again. Um, but on a whole, um, despite the criticisms that I had of it, uh, I really, really enjoy the game, and if nothing else, it deserves um, kudos for bringing the series back in a big way uh, from what I was convinced was certain death. Uh, I was not convinced at all that 343 was going to be able to put together a good Halo game, especially after the delays, um, and I am... Uh, I was very pleasantly surprised with the way this one turned out. Uh, I love the grappling hook. Uh, I think there's parts of that game that, if they're tweaked a little bit for the sequel, um, 
could be really, really cool. Did uh, you end up I, finishing it? I did, yes. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the last two games on the list I did finish. Uh, and so the that's also probably part of the reason they're higher on the list. Um, but uh, it, that game, again, it just... It, the, the best thing I can think to say about it is it did Halo things very well. And the same stuff that the series has always struggled with, this one struggled with. Um, and that's, you know, difficulty and their version of difficulty being just throwing a bunch of people at you at once uh, and having sort of bullet sponge style enemies, especially bosses. Um, the, the bosses uh, are... I, I wasn't here for the discussion, but how long did it take you guys to beat the stupid hammer boss in that uh, corridor area? The the um, Esherim, I forget his name. They're all so forgettable. But he's he's the he's the guy with the giant hammer, and he's in, you're kind of in that uh, drilling mine thing, Majiga. Oh, oh, the boss one. from the drilling yeah. mine. Yeah, yeah. No, that that one. Um, it didn't take me as long because mm-hmm. there is a um, hidden in a little cubby hole along the outside of that. There's a sort of upgraded version of the gravity hammer called the rushdown hammer. Um, and it's one of only, I think, a couple places in the game that you can find it because I never found it anywhere else other than when you finish one of the targets off. Um, and so I, I died on that guy like three times and said, you know what, clearly the weapons I have aren't good. So I'm going to go scavenge around and see what I can find. Uh, and when I found that hammer, it made it a lot easier, but, um, yeah, I mean the, the bosses, um, the, so there's a there's really only one that I can think of that I thought, man the the um, the area that I'm fighting him in makes this fight cooler than it probably would be uh, otherwise. And I, I don't want to spoil anything. It's towards the end, right towards the end of the game. Um, but they are just like let's instead of um really having a whole lot of strategy associated with them um it's really just hey let's just see how much damage we can make this person take um to kill and and then some of them they uh make it even worse by throwing a whole bunch of ads at you during the boss um the the one i can think of specifically is um a robot towards the end of the game um where they do that they throw a bunch of ads in the room with you when you're trying to fight the boss and um also the final boss is like that a little bit what the um, difficulties did you guys play the game on oh i never play anything on uh anything higher than normal ever so uh, I, yeah. I played it on normal I, I was playing on heroic and that's one of the reasons why i was having such a tough time with that boss yeah no i yeah. don't i don't even bother because I'm too old for my Halo skills to even be considered anything other well, yeah, than that. Especially with Halo, because, I mean, again, I, again, I beat the, the horse to death last week, but um, Halo's version of difficulty is we're going to put you in an area, uh, and we're just going to throw every single mob that you've ever seen uh, in the, the game all in the same spot, and we'll add a couple tanks, and we'll add a couple other vehicles, um, and 
that every single Halo game has done that in the last one or two levels. Um, and that's just not, I don't know, it's just not my idea of difficulty. Yeah, just and so frustrating than difficult. Maybe I'll bring it down to normal. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, th- I think, I, yeah, I think Halo, one of my biggest issues is most of the times when I die in Halo, it's because somebody got me in an area where something exploded or I got one-shotted. Like, it's never, they whittled me down and killed me. It's always just like a shock that I died. Um, yeah. For me, I, I've always played the Halo games with co-op in heroic mode, just to kind of you know keep things interesting. So I went into this one, and of course there's no co-op for it, but I went to heroic anyway because it's what I've always done, because I always found the normal mode a bit too easy. But since there's no secondary person be there to like res me or kind of stay out of battle to get me back up, it becomes significantly more difficult because I only have one life to work with instead of two. So yeah. that's where I'm at. Yeah, and they the um so while we're while we're mentioning flaws, and I promise I love the game. <laughs> There's just um when you play it's the it's that way with most games. When you play a game as long as I played that, it um the stuff that's annoying really sticks out. Um a lot of the weapons in that game just aren't any good. Um they're just not fun to play with. So um that's the other thing that I'm I'm not a huge fan of. Like the needler, in my opinion, and I know some Halo person's gonna argue with me, I don't care. The needler hasn't been good since the first game. Uh, maybe you could say the second game. Uh and yet they throw them all over the battlefield. It's like I don't want that. I don't need that. Get that out of my face. <laughs> I wish you couldn't uh, even pick up the plasma pistol. <laughs> yeah, I mean the plasma pistol at least is good because if you charge it up, it'll take out shields quickly. Um, but even it, I, I, there's, there's never a situation in that game where I thought, oh, you know what would be really helpful here is a plasma pistol, um, because or a needler, right? Because every other gun um, is better. And I know some people will say, well, the scarcity. Um, just adds to the the strategy and planning, and that's just I don't uh, buy that at all. What, what would you guys think? I know this is going to be blasphemous to longtime Halo fans, and I, and I know some of you guys are already. I really felt limited to the the weapon aspect of it. I know you have the main gun, the side gun, and kind of your accessory stuff, and you have those sub tools, which is nice addition for this game. But every time I play Halo and I'm looking at all the stuff on the ground, all the weapons that I want to use, I want to experiment. I want to kind of use them in different situations. But when I do want to actually use them, I don't really have access to them or they're kind of out of my way and I don't have enough bullets for that gun. So if Halo decided to change its formula of the main weapon, side weapon, and decided to go for something like a weapon wheel where you have access to all the different weapons that you picked up in the game, would do? Do you think if you balance out the game properly, that's something that Halo could thrive with, or is that something that would never work for Halo? That would work for Halo Infinite right now. I mean, you could say that, but at the same time, I'll be real honest with you: the only gun I wanted to use in that game most of the time was a fucking Mauler pistol. Yeah. So also, it's a it's a good question, Jay. I think because um, there's two parts of me that are sort of battling. There's the part that says. Yeah, it would have made some of those areas a lot easier if I had my choice of weapon. Um, and then there's the longtime Halo fan part of me that's like, nah, kind of changes the game too much. Mm. Um, what I'll say is that what I do wish they would allow you to do is 
um, allow you to carry two weapons and a um, sort of uh, heavy-duty weapon, I'll say. Mm, So they already let you carry two weapons and like a Gatling cannon if you pick it up or a plasma cannon if you pick it up. Um, I I feel like probably there are parts of the game that would have been more fun if I had the option to carry, you know, some sort of... uh, some sort of medium range weapon, some sort of close range weapon, and either a sniper rifle or rocket launcher. Isn't that um, how that's done on Destiny? Destiny. Two? Yeah. yeah. It's on Destiny. Yeah. yeah. You always yeah. have your primary, secondary, and then a, a power heavy, weapon. Yeah. Basically, a that's heavy how weapon. I want it. Yeah, a heavy weapon. Yeah, and, it would have been good to have that in Halo. Yeah, and even if they wanted to say, even if they wanted to classify like an energy sword or a gravity hammer as a, a heavy weapon, um, I think it would be okay with that because. You've still got some other close-range weapons that you can use, um, but yeah, I, I do think there are parts of that game that um, would have benefited from that for sure. Um, yeah, but I, so before I don't I don't want to drag on too long about Halo, and before um, I end talking about that, I want to make sure that I call out the voice acting uh, and the story of the game. I thought the story uh, was the best one since Reach. Um, I really, really enjoyed the story that they told in this game. I thought the voice acting was fantastic, uh, particu- particularly the voice acting for Eshram and for uh, the weapon. I thought um, both did a tremendous job of um, portraying and believable Eshram is characters. The main antagonist, yeah, yeah. the main uh, brute, yeah. yeah, that's Eshram. Yep. Yeah, uh, his voice acting was tremendous. And um, it so I, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, um, sort of my the 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 Wombled unified first person shooter theory, uh, which was that the most important thing in a first person shooter is having a great villain or a great set of villains to point the gun at. Uh, and I thought Infinite did that tremendously well. Um, the the. Um, they gave you some named enemies, although the named enemies were a little bit generic. Um, I would have liked more if they had done something a little more like the Nemesis system uh, from Shadow of War. But the uh, Eshram as a final boss was, I thought, perfect and uh, really made up for a string of bad uh, targets in the last couple Halo games. So, um, yeah, some of the other uh positives and negatives i have are more spoiler related so i won't go into them here um but all in all uh i really really enjoyed the game and it greatly exceeded my expectations so um yeah that was my number two um and then my number one which should be no surprise to anybody that's listened to the show psychonaut (laughs) 2 um i was and remain a huge fan of the first game and uh it was uh, for a time, uh, and probably still is, uh, near the top of my favorite games of all time. And I had, so my, I had the opposite problem with Psychonauts 2 as with, uh, Halo Infinite, where my expectations were almost, uh, unmatchably high for the second Psychonauts game, because I love the first one so much. And I'm glad to say that it met and exceeded nearly every expectation that I had. So um, 
the story is tremendous. The platforming is tremendous. The characters are tremendous. The voice acting is tremendous. Um, I, like Anthony, went around and collected everything, uh, finished everything off. As I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I would have got all the tr- uh, achievements in the game were it not for a glitch that didn't pop one of the level completion tro- uh, achievements. Um, and I'm not going to go back and, at least not right now, going to go back and play all the way through the game to unlock that level again. Um, but, uh, yeah, I... I can't say enough good things about Psychonauts 2. It it is amazing. And a testament to how good it is is that even though he has never even heard of the first one, uh my son also played Psychonauts 2 and loved it. Played the crap out of it, enjoyed it to death. And um I, I have said for a long time that Psychonauts is one of those properties that deserved to be bigger and more expansive than it was in terms of popular culture and uh, i hope that some of the success and the praise that the second game has gotten not only gets them to make us a sequel sooner um but uh allows that property to have a little bit more legs so that's it for me all right <clears throat> well i'll go ahead and move over to jay that's right drew i'm gonna make you wait yay it's because you were late son i can't help it i was going to church <laughs> Well, Drew, you know me, I don't play a lot of games, so I probably don't have a lot to talk about, you know. Nah, 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 you probably only finished like one game this year. Yeah, you know, I, I found Wombat's uh, list to be a little too long, to be frank, so <laughs> I'm going to keep mine a little bit shorter. But, uh, so I, I put it down to only about uh, 84 honorable mentions, so let's just get started. <laughs> no, we're, we're not going to be doing that. That's uh, it's a little crazy. We, we all have stuff to do. But uh, I do have a few honorable mentions. I'm just going to go with three. I want to keep it uh, concise, but I feel like these bear mentioning because of their significance. The first game is uh, Guilty Gear Strive. I think the game is solid. I think it's a good uh, foundation for what's to come and uh, for the iteration of the series. But the reason why it's here is mostly because of it uh, really popularized the use of the rollback netcode that a lot of fighting game community people are aware of, where you're able to fight against people online all across the world with uh, fairly, you know, fairly good results. And uh, they decided to implement this to one of my favorite games or favorite fighting game series, Blaze Blue Central Fiction. And I've been playing the heck out of that. I think I put like a hundred hours into that in the last like uh, like month and a half or something like that. And it's been fantastic. And it's going to become more of the norm for these uh, fighting game developers to implement the rollback because it's going to be such a big selling point. Um, and um, Ken, I don't know much about the DC fighting game netcode. Do they also use uh, rollback or do they just mostly go delay if you know? Uh, well, Mortal Kombat 11 uh, from NetherRealm launched with its own netcode, but then okay. they brought in rollback um, towards like the mid-development. Did so, you see a difference compared to the other iterations where this one was better or worse? Yeah, absolutely. It, it ran a lot better, and then they added crossplay as well. So it, it yeah. actually it actually ended up being really accessible as far as getting online, and it felt really good. Fantastic. And that's that's the kind of like positive change you want to see in the industry, especially these days with everyone kind of being isolated. You want to be able to have these online experiences without having to sacrifice too much in terms of playability. And Rollback Neko, when it's implemented well, can be a, a shining beacon for the fighting game community. So I want to see more of that. Every other fighting game coming out should implement uh, a version of that and try to do their best to make sure their online is up to par 
Cause yeah, I think, it's, uh, it, it's weird to see that re-release of uh, Persona 4 Arena not having rollback. That's very weird. And I haven't heard of King of Fighters. I think King of Fighters has it. King of Fighters does have delayed greatness. I yeah, mean, that's the, what I thought. Rollback is, yeah, rollback, yeah. But it's weird that uh, Persona 4 is not getting it. it seems it's, weird. It is weird. Especially since it's coming from Arxis, but I think maybe Ad, uh, Atlas is handling more of the work than uh, Arxis, and maybe that's why, because you know Atlas is more of an RPG company than they are a fighting game company. So yeah. I don't know the logistics behind that, but they did say that they are interested on uh, implementing it after launch. So we'll see whether they keep true to their word or not. But I can say uh, definitively, since uh, a lot of my Twitter and social uh, social media stuff is involved with fighting games, that a lot of the excitement for the re-release of that game kind of was deflated when they decided that it was not going to be rolled back. So it's it's going to have a huge impact on the game's sales and how it's going to perform in the long run. So hopefully they'll put that in there. Um, as for the other honorable mention, and this one's going to be a shocker for a lot of people that know me to see it on my honorable, not on my top 10. And I think that's going to speak more to how strong the top 10 is and how this game kind of dropped the ball in certain areas. And that's going to be Monster Hunter Rise. Mm. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, I kind of set it up, but you probably figured it out. Um, and the thing about it is that Monster Hunter Rise as a video game, as a Monster Hunter game, is actually pretty great. It's, it's excellent. It has some of the best mechanics and some of the fights and stuff like that. It's fantastic. It, I had a, a great deal of fun. I put like 180 hours into it, and I don't regret a second of it. However, the game launched incomplete in a status where the ending and the final battle of the game hadn't even been launched yet, and that had to come much later. And because this is a game that's following Monster Hunter World, which is a, revo- a revolution for the series of what it was able to do uh, in terms of visual fidelity uh, and the playability, and just being able to play that game at like 60 FPS on like the PS5 or or on like you know on my on my computer at like 144 max out visuals going back to rise at this kind of cap 30 frames per second and i know that i know how that sounds like but once you have a taste of something and you have to go back to something that is not as good it's always gonna sting whether you like to admit it or not and that's kind of where monster hunter rises for me and i really appreciate the fact that capcom did give an earnest uh you know effort to try to make their saves cross saves so that you can take your switch saves the uh, you know, like a PC, but they weren't able to implement that, unfortunately. So I'm not going to be double dipping on that game. But when I play the the demo of Monster Hunter Rise on PC, it was like like a world of difference. <laughs> Being able to react to certain things that monsters are doing, because a lot of that stuff is timing based. So you want to really be getting in there. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's still a great game. Um, and you know, and Monster Hunter fans, especially PC gamers, that are going to get their hands on it in like the next week or two, is going to love it. Uh, but uh, it it is what it is. It's kind of, you know, it's it's on the Switch. What can I say? <laughs> uh, the <laughs> the other game that I played, uh, and uh, this is a game that is actually not finished. You can consider it to be early access or not, but that's uh, Delta Room. I actually waited until Chapter Two was released this year to jump into it, and Chapter One had been released like a you know like long time ago at this point, so I didn't really hear much about it. But of course, it's made by the uh, the guy that made Undertale. So I had high expectations and I was actually kind of worried because Undertale to me kind of felt like lightning in a bottle. The everything about that game just works and it achieves exactly what it sets out to do that I wasn't sure if they could pull it off again. And based on what I have played and seen of the first two chapters of Delta Rune, it 
Undertale was not a fluke. This this is legitimate. It is really, really good. Just heartwarming story, characters, fun combat engine, exploration, all that stuff. And the the great humor that you were expecting as well is all there. I can't wait for the full release. I'm going to be playing it on day one for sure. So let's go to my top 10. And I'm not going to number the the top, well, seven, I guess, because I don't really care to put them in order. I only put the top three in order, so you're just going to have to deal with that. Uh, Hitman 3 is the first one that comes to mind. And anything, everything that uh, Ryan said rings true. It's, it's Hitman. It's, it's been good since the first iteration of this series of games that has been going. But I think Hitman 3 probably has some of the best missions of the series, especially the one that takes place in the manor. Um, I'm not going to get too far into it, but they did things in that level where the interactions are so varied and interesting that you don't even have to lift a finger to kill your target in that map. It just naturally happens. But the idea is that you're going there to see like kind of like a whodunit kind of a detective mystery. And the way you can approach it, how you get to the bottom of that mystery, everything is fantastic. The only thing that really held it back is the final level, which was kind of very linear. And although I appreciate it that um, it was a change of pace, certainly, it's not the way I wanted that game to go out because, you know, every single other mission was so really, you know, so strong. You know, you figured the last one should be the best, if not uh, one of the best. And that was not the case for that one. The other game is another good old Switch game, uh, Shin Megami Tensei Five. Once again, would have been higher on my list if this game was not a Switch game, because oh man, this is a turn-based RPG, and a lot of the times the the visual like fluctuations and the frame rates and stuff like that don't really bother too much until you get to certain points where platforming is necessary, and at that point it's just like a hell on earth because I'm pressing the jump button, it happens like a second later. And I'm just sitting there, just kind of falling down, having to do it over and over again. But uh, outside of the visual nonsense, I think the game had a really great explorable world, more so than any other Shin Megami Tensei game. The worlds and the areas that you explore are huge. And there's such great incentive to explore and to collect various different demons. And uh, yeah, the, the gameplay is, is fantastic. And the difficulty... I know a lot of these, a lot of times people want their hands to be held and everything, but Shin Megami Tensei is not about that. This is a real hardcore experience. If you go into a boss encounter expecting to win on your first try, probably don't play Shin Megami Tensei 5 because you're expected to lose the first round, get that data, and try to build your team around what the boss is doing, try to make a strategy. And I love all that stuff. It's something that you don't see in, uh, in games a lot these days. The other game is Metroid Dread. Uh, I think Ryan put it pretty well. I'm not as big of a fan of Metroid as I know some other people are, but I do enjoy my 2D Metroid games. Uh, I de- I enjoy the uh, 3D, 3DS one. Was it Samus Returns? Right, that was mm-hmm. the one. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was good, but Metroid Dread is kind of that, but much better in in basically every single way. And uh, it's one of those games where I had a great time. The sense of progression just felt so smooth. The level design was just intricately crafted by talented developers. Every single thing that you do, even if you feel like you might be going off the beaten track and you might you might not be at the place you should be, if you were able to get there, then yes, you, you're actually supposed to be there. 
and it was kind of wild because I was switching between all these different zones and stuff like that. But it turned out that was actually the critical path that I had to be in. I never even got lost a single time in the Metro game, which is kind of crazy because, you know, the Metrovania games uh, are kind of designed in a way where you're going to be backtracking a lot. You're going to get lost a lot. But because the level design was so good, I, I that just never happened. The only thing that's holding me back for giving it a higher spot is that once I beat the game, I finished the story, and I thoroughly enjoyed it, I didn't feel the need or desire to go back to collect all the other stuff. And that kind of tells me I didn't enjoy the gameplay loop of it as much as I did in the initial playthrough. So it, it is what it is, but it's still great and a uh, great return to form for, uh, I mean, fuck, Mercury Stream, right? They're, they're, the, they're Stream, the guys yeah. that... Yeah. I didn't think they had it in them and they proved everyone that they are, you know, they are talented and they, they are able to make these crazy games. Cause if you're coming up with their like last games playing like Castlevania, what is it? Something of mirrors or something? I forget what the game was. Called. Um, no, their last game was mm-hmm. technically Samus returns, but before that, yeah, it was uh Lords of shadow too. I, I will not take blasphemy <laughs> on Lords of Shadow, though. I will give you Lords of Shadow 2. That thing was a troubled, fucked-up mm-hmm. development. But Lord, the original Lords of Shadow is still one of my favorite Castlevania games. I don't care. It's yeah, I like it, too. And that, that twist ending, though. Oh, man, I love that. They, they are good so at good. rewriting uh, what we believe of uh, classic franchises. They did it in Metroid 2, which I won't <laughs> go into, but yeah. I, I just love hearing Jay talk about Metroid. Dread and me going. I don't. I didn't see any of this. <laughs> really? Wow, man! I I got super lost, and that's not usually <laughs> something I have an issue with in Metroid. But I was like, I I think it was just the zone swapping, and yeah, I just you didn't do that think a lot. Uh-huh. And and the environment never uh, said to me like, oh, I'm here. I know exactly where I'm going because there's just areas that are like more caves and stuff and I, I don't know it was just maybe the shapes of the room something something to me just didn't scream that that's the reason why i didn't make my list um i love the ending of it uh you know but uh it, it was just a very weird experience seeing a bunch of people feel completely different uh about that game than yeah. me I think it might have to do something to do with like our perception. You know, kind of the way we do puzzle solving. Some people are really good at puzzle solving in one particular way. Another person is great at, in a different way. Um, and I think that might be one of the things about Metroid Dread because the way you perceive the levels and where you feel that you need to go sometimes is built in a way where you're incentivized to go to certain areas. And if you don't pick up on that or if that's not as obvious to you because um, – you know, that's not kind of the way you do puzzle solving in your mind, right? I could see that being like a big problem. But at least for me, I felt the invisible hand of the developers pushing me all the way through uh, without any kind of like jerky motions or anything. And it was it was, it was actually pretty remarkable in that way. So, you know, interesting to hear the other side of the, uh, the corridor, though. Um, okay, next game is a Resident Evil Village. This one had a lot to live up to after Resident Evil 7 kind of re-injected some life into the series with the whole first-person aspect of it. And uh, Village, I think, is, is a great game. It's probably one of the de facto, like, like uh, amusement park ride kind of game where it takes you on a tour, a, a little bit of everything. It does a little bit of, like, uh, like horror, like uh, in the... 
in the mansion that you go into. It does a lot of the stuff that other games have done in the past about like upgrading your weapons and items, like Resident Evil Four. Uh, it does. So when you have a domination fetish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I still don't get why the uh, the large lady became so iconic, and I. But at the same time, I think her. Uh, her performance and her presence in the game was tremendous. I wish she was in more of it for sure. But that didn't take away from the game that she wasn't in, like, you know, more than, like, a fourth well, of the game. Well, it also like that. helps that I'm going to say two of the other three areas are pretty good. I did not like the the Merman area. Oh, okay. Uh, but the house and the factory were both excellent. Yeah, the the merman area was fairly forgettable compared to the other areas for sure. Yeah, but I know a lot of people actually really hated the the factory, which I actually really liked because I thought fighting those enemies, like getting their the weak spots in the right ways and the scenarios that you're put into was actually pretty fantastic. But yeah, I mean the the game was great. They put an end to Eden's story in a pretty, I think, uh, respectful way in a lot of ways. And I'm excited to see what they're going to do next with the series. Uh, Ken, do you think this is going to go to another first-person shooter game, or is it going to be another change? I think it'll continue in this, especially with the ending, if you if you noticed yeah. the little thing at the end. Um, I, I don't think I don't think this story's done, so I think the next one is going to be another, another end this style. It, it seems like Capcom likes to do three of a style, so I think right. there's still one more in this one. Yeah, okay, and and uh, I am totally not sick of this whole first-person formula for Resident Evil, so I am down for another one. You know, hopefully they make some adjustments here and there. Uh, but overall, a great game. I, I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, the other game on the list is uh, Tales of Arise. I think Tales is one of those games like... Uh, Drew, have you ever played a Tales game yet still, or are you just kind of still <laughs> not played one? Nope. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to get get you on like a rise or some best fairy or something. A Tales like of Arise was exactly what I needed when mm-hmm. I needed it. Like, it's a pretty boilerplate standard JRPG with with you know like more of that modern kind of actiony combat. Yep. But I really really enjoyed what it did. I think I played through about half of it, and I and I want to go back and finish it. But I really did enjoy what I played. Yeah, I think this more than any other Tales game has probably one of the most uh, interactive combat engine mm-hmm. of them all because you have that ability to uh, dodge and everything that if you dodge at a specific time, well, you know, that kind of thing is played out, but it's something fairly new to Tales. And if you have that moment-to-moment gameplay decision of where you're trying to keep track of all the enemies that are attacking you, trying to switch between different allies using their... Uh, like uh, cooldown skills and stuff like that for certain scenarios. It's very active and a lot of fun. The storyline initially starts out a little bit on the slower side compared to some other Tales game, but I think it really gets going. I think the characters uh, uh, characters get a, get a lot of love later on in the game. Uh, I was invested in how the story would end. And yeah, just, just the production values of Tales of Arise, if nothing else, was a standout. And this is... I think this was the best-selling Tales game as far as, like, launch title numbers go. So, yeah, kudos to uh, Namco Bandai for that. So they put in the money, they put in the effort, and they're being rewarded for it. So I would like to see more higher-budgeted Tales games going forward. Because I think in in all realistic, like, uh, 
projections. I think Tales has the potential to be just as big as like a Final Fantasy, just as big as like a Dragon Quest, if they keep adding, if they keep adding more to it in the long run, just kind of, you know, increase the production values and delve a little bit deeper into some unknown territory here and there in terms of gameplay. But uh, yes, it's great, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. The next game on the list is Psychonauts 2. I think uh, Anthony and Ryan uh, said exactly what I love about that, about that game. I still get the urge every time someone brings up Psychonauts 2, I, I want to watch that uh, concert scene again. <laughs> it's like every single time. And you, you guys know what I'm talking about. The music, the visuals, and everything is just fantastic. And like I, uh, like uh, Anthony said, the, the voice acting by uh, Jack Black, and basically every voice acting in that game is just really well done. I, I uh, call out Jack Black because I didn't realize it was him. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, when he was the glowing ball. Ah, uh, yeah. I didn't realize that was him, and then I went, "Oh my god, it's it's Jack Black!" And that whole level, that whole level is where I cried. Actually, yeah. Um, like every every performance, and... every performance in that game is so good. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, it certainly left an impression, and. Uh... It's one of those things where I was actually scared for that game because another game, another game studio bought by Microsoft, you know, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to say like it always turns to shit, but there have been many cases where things just didn't pan out the way you would like after being bought up by another big studio. So in Psychonauts 2 case, they just basically gave them the realms and say, Hey, just make the game that you guys are going to make in the first place. And they did exactly that. The division was there. From beginning to end, uh, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. I didn't enjoy it enough as far as the gameplay loop to go back and get all the things, especially not the stickers, because that seems like a lot of annoying work. But uh, as far as completing the story and, and seeing that through, uh, yeah, absolutely. A ton of fun. And also, you know, game uh, day one and Game Pass, so that certainly helped matters too. Uh, the other game on my uh, list, this would be number four, and not actually number four, but this is the fourth game. Uh, would be Unsighted, another Game Pass game that I actually very, very recently finished. And that's an, it's like a 2D action adventure game. If you guys ever played CrossCode, it gives me, uh, that kind of vibe where you have like the Zelda dungeon kind of elements to it, where there's like these, uh, challenges you need to get, like upgrades for your characters that allow you to get to new areas. But it's also a lot more flexible in a lot of the ways that it allows you to, uh, kind of go to next areas and stuff like that, which I thought was pretty fun. And the big hook about this game, and I know that this is going to be a little bit divisive, but I'll go into it a little bit deeper, is that there is a, a ticking time bomb element to it, where every single character, not just you, but every single character in the game has a set number of hours before they lose their mind and they go crazy, and they're no longer the uh, the person that they were. And every time you meet someone, they go into your contacts list. And under that contacts list, under their name, it's going to be the number of hours in-game that they have before they go crazy and they're no longer available to you. But it, within that game, you have these things called uh, meteor dust that you can give to these people that will actually allow them to live a little bit longer. It gives them 24 hours into their life cycle. And obviously, hours are not exactly what it is in real time, but 24 hours is still a decent chunk of time. It gives them a bit more leeway to see if they can survive the whole ordeal and everything. So you have this game where you want, you do want to explore and you do want to go around collecting items, equipment, and uh, uh, get all these other stuff. 
But at the same time, the more you're taking time to do and go through your objectives, the more of the people around you start to fall apart and they're, they're no longer around. So you have this thing where you have to make a choice. Do you want to go around exploring, try to make your character stronger, uh, find some, you know, like uh, craftable items that'll make your, you know, weapons more powerful, blah, blah, blah. Or do you want to just kind of go to the next objective, try to find more meteor dust and try to see if you can, you know, keep these people alive. And who you decide to give the meteor dust to actually determines, like, you know, whether or not they're going to make it through the game. And also, if you give them enough, then uh, they'll give you like a special upgrade or something like that. So you have to decide, hey, is the do you want this person alive because of the services that they provide and the uh, the item that they're going to give you at the end of it? Or do you want to just kind of go, you know, invest all this stuff on yourself and your ally so that they stay alive to the end of the game? So because of this one twist, it actually puts a sense of urgency and it makes the choices that you make uh, feel like it matters in a lot of ways. And the best thing is, if you don't like that element, if that sounds a little too stressful to you, you can turn that aspect of the game off completely without any issue. It doesn't even change the story too much as far as like what actually happens. It's going to change the ending, obviously, depending on who survives and, and stuff. But it gives you the option if you don't like it. But I played it with it on, and I had it was stressful at times for sure, but it was really rewarding when i got to the credits and i saw the people that i helped along the way that survived and uh yeah if you if you like that kind of 2d adventure uh action game check it out it's, it's fantastic it's only about like like seven like nine hours long or something like that uh, to do like a complete playthrough so it's not that even that is, long that team is extremely small i want to say it's like maybe max three people uh, and... i don't know about the team but they made a great game. I follow them on Twitter. I, I, I know awesome. there's two of them uh, at, for sure. And I believe there was a third one that did music. Um, but they've, they've, they keep adding stuff too. So uh, recently they added uh, loadout options. They did. And that was necessary uh, because you had to actually change your weapons around. Because in this game, you're not actually getting like just tools to go through areas like for example if there's like a a big lake or something like that that you, you need to traverse through, traverse through if you have an ice weapon like an ice uh, grenade gun or something like that if you shoot it at the lake it'll create a platform right but um you have to actually shift to that weapon you have to equip that weapon in order to do that so not having loadouts makes kind of like going through areas kind of a pain in the ass by the way game pass version hasn't updated yet because they always take forever to approve these uh, updates so um I I played that demo on uh, Steam. I own the game on on Switch. I just didn't get enough time to play it. Um, but uh, I picked it up once they added the uh, aspect where the time was removed. Mm-hmm. Just because uh, like certain things stress me out, and that was one of them. Uh, the other the other thing that stressed me out was unpacking this year, which is a lot of people love that game, but man, that made me stressed out for like no good reason. But, I don't. Um, I don't understand being stressed out about unpacking. <laughs> oh my god, dude! It just the str- where's it all gonna go? Um, oh, so you? This, it's kind of like an OCD thing. Like where where are you gonna put everything? Can't. Yep, I can't do it. Okay, um, but I uh, I, Jay, have you ever played the game uh, Scourge of the Hive? Oh, that sounds super familiar. It was like touted as a Metroidvania, but like you only had so much time outside of safe areas because like. There's no oxygen or something like that. Um, it played a little bit like Unsighted uh, in a lot of ways. So like when I saw Unsighted, I was 
kind of like that one game that I played that was like a Game Boy Advance DS title. So, um, yeah, I, I, I liked what I played. Um, so I back you up to a certain extent. I've, yeah, I've got it installed. You. I've got it installed, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a try in the new year. Um, like I said, you can turn that uh, time limit aspect of it off if you, if that bothers you. But I would say try to stick along with it just to, just to give yourself like a new experience because if you turn that off, it does kind of kill certain aspects of that game that's supposed to be there. Because having to choose who's going to end up living, who's going to end up dying, with the things that you're giving them is kind of like heartbreaking in some ways, and not having to go through that, which you know, smoother, you know, emotional experience, but it makes the the choices that you make uh, feel less impactful. I left it on. Um, I was like, "Yep, yeah, we'll play as far as I get, and if it gets bad, that's when I turn it on, or I go through a different run and turn it on after." I do, I do like that. That option's there, though. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But uh, okay, now we're up to the top three. And uh, I would say that this year, more than any other, has been kind of the year of the indies for me. And my top three will kind of go and show that. Uh, Number three is Everhood. Anyone here play that game? I don't know that I've ever actually even heard of that game. What you say, Anthony? I've I've never even heard of Underhood. Everhood. Ever? Oh, wow. Anthony, you, my friend, would probably like this game a lot. I'm looking at it a lot. I don't know how you feel about rhythm games. How do you feel about rhythm games? I like rhythm games. Okay, then you would like this game a lot. So Everhood is this like psychedelic rhythm game with uh, very interesting world building. Uh, and it's one of those games that's very, very, very difficult to explain. It's one of those games where you see the gameplay of it and you're like, wow, this looks so simple and uh, dumb. Uh, and when you actually play it, you have those battles in the context of them and what they symbolize and what they mean and how you can resolve some of them is actually really fascinating. And as someone that loves these kind of like trippy, weird indie games with uh, like, uh, you know, uh, I guess, uh, how do I best describe it? Man, it's it's hard to say without ever like spoiling anything. What I would say is that it has very simplistic rhythm game uh, mechanics that actually expands and increases in difficulty the more you go throughout the game. But there is like this overarching storyline about who you are and what you are there to accomplish. And uh, it's fascinating. It's got a lot of different endings, a lot of crazy different types of encounters and bosses you can get to. And the best thing about the game is the music. Because the way the music and the gameplay is integrated, they're like one-to-one. It's completely necessary that you play with the music on, otherwise the game wouldn't make no sense to you. And um, yeah, it's it's just fantastic. And uh, if you haven't played it, if you haven't heard of that game, um, I would say check it out. Just even look up like a video down. I'm not sure if the game has a demo or not, but it's one of those games where I saw someone play uh, the game for about five minutes. I turned that stream off. I purchased that game and started playing myself. That's how I like fast I was into that kind of gameplay loop. And uh, I, I, yeah, it was great. Okay, I'm looking at this because you are right. It very much seems like something <laughs> I would be into. Yeah, um, if, if you play it, it, let me know how you like it. Because um, uh, I'm probably going to pick this up like right now because it, the way that the rhythm game aspect looks, mm-hmm. um, it reminds me of and this is this is just a, a one of my shitty pulls. Um, Mega Man Star Force. Oh God, Anthony! <laughs> you know, 
That is a pull. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, you are dodging things on on the on the field, so there is a similarity there for sure. It it, it extends a lot more than that, but uh, initially that's what you're doing. So I can see the the resemblance. Yeah, and the, the visuals are crazy. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, the, this is one of those games where if you're gonna get high and play a video game, this is <laughs> <laughs> not that not that I've done that or anything, but you know, I'm just. Saying. I want to note. Yes. In my looking up for it, this is the only time I think one of them's on sale. Um, Fanatical has it included in the Platinum Collection Build Your Own Bundle, so you can get that and two other games for twelve seventy nine. Oh That's Canadian, goodness. so whatever that the is, American price is. Yeah, that is a tremendous value. Like this game itself, I bought it at full price, and I would do it all over again because I put like fifteen twenty hours into that game. I still have endings that I could unlock. So and. And just to tell you what the other, like some of the other games that are in that bundle, Baldur's Gate 2 Enhanced Edition, Baldur's Gate Enhanced Edition. So you can get two Baldur's Gate games and Everhood for like 10 bucks. Nice. Those uh, Platinum Games uh, collections, if you don't have like the ridiculous libraries that some of us do, uh, it's actually great to pick up some like games that are like really highly regarded, but then you never had the chance to pick up earlier. So yeah, definitely check it out. I, I highly recommend it. And Anthony, like I said, if you play it, it'll let me know how you like it, because I think this is going to be one of those... If this, if you had played this game, this would have been on your top 10, I would feel. So, uh, big praise. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's big praise indeed. But uh, number two, Inscription. I think Anthony said everything that needs to be said, which is not a lot, which is exactly how we like it. <laughs> when it comes to inscription, and uh, Drew is playing through it now for Phoenix Down, so make sure you guys listen to that as well. But the way I view inscription is that um, it's a delicious layered cheesecake. Each layer, there is something good about it. You have the card element of it. You have the you have the weird mystery element of it where you're stuck in the cabin. You have another mystery on top of that. On the kind of like if if you only like one aspect of this game, you would have a good time. But if you like multiple aspects like me and Anthony did, then you're going to have a fantastic time. It's one of those things where you just want to find out what's going to happen next because you don't know where you're going to end up, what the greater mystery is, and what could it, what it could all mean. I felt like at the very end of the game, the way it ended was kind of a little bit abrupt. I wanted uh, maybe a little bit more answers, but I understand why they did it that way. And I certainly appreciate the fact that they're still updating the game to include more features and stuff like that. I want that uh, Casey's mod that they're putting out for the endless uh, cabin mode to come out in uh, 1.0, and I'll play it, but it's currently in beta. But uh, yeah, it's, it's another one of those games. I played the demo up for about uh, 20, 15, 30 minutes or something like that. I was like, oh, I'm going to buy this game immediately. And I beat it in two sittings after that. And I have gone back to it once more just to like see if I still like the gameplay loop. And I do. I, I like it a lot. I'm not sure if I would play a full-blown card game based on it, but I would at the very least try it out because it's it's still pretty pretty fun. But there are certain aspects of the game where you progress and you make your cards stronger. I'm not sure if that would fit well in a multiplayer game, but if nothing else, a better single-player campaign, a longer single-player campaign like the Endless mode would be beneficial. So for my number one, this one's going to be a little bit controversial because this game actually came out on uh, December 25th of 2020. But I'm going to include it here because this is the game that I have thought about 
ever since that I completed it back in March of uh, 2021. And because it came out so close to the end of the year, I feel like uh, it's reasonable to include in this year because unlikely you would have been able to beat that game in like five, six days anyhow. So, and that game is Amori. A- anyone play Amori here? No, I know Amor? of Amori. Amori. Amori? Mm-hmm. Never heard of it. All right, so, beautiful looking game. Yeah. Beautiful looking. Nothing looks like Amori. Um, I unfortunately watched somebody spoil it for me, which is a disappointment. I'll still play it at some point. Um, I don't know if the Switch version came out. I wanted to wait for the Switch version, but uh, it's an RPG, and I, I think kind of like Inscription saying too much about it would spoil it, but I mean, Jay's the one that played it, so... Right. I, I would say it's similar, but... The way I can talk about it is kind of the themes and what the game does. And uh, like I said, the Switch version has been announced as coming out later this year. You probably, if you watched the indie showcase, the last indie showcase Nintendo did, I think that might have been the last trailer that they ended off with, which uh, to me makes sense. You know, the last trailer seems to feel uh, should be the biggest one. And to me, Omori is definitely that game to you end the show on because it is just that incredible. And the thing that makes this game is that this looks like a typical like uh, RPG maker game once you initially check it out because it's got like the little 2D sprites and everything. Yes, it has the gorgeous like pastel start, a pastel style like art uh, work for the characters and a lot of the world and stuff like that. But it feels relatively simple. But the story that it tells here is probably one of the most like emotionally charged and the themes surrounding the game is about trauma and how we deal with some things that kind of uh, impact us and kind of leave such a big impact on our lives that you end up uh, changing your life forever. And how that is portrayed in the game, I think, is very mature and in a way where it actually makes sense. And if you think that this is just going to be a game that's kind of like one of those like artsy fartsy, like oh, this is going to be when this is going to win one of those indie game awards for making people cry a lot, it's, <laughs> it's much more than that. It's, it's a game that has, you know what I mean? Though, yeah, no, I, I, I 100% know what you mean. It's just the way you word yeah. it. It's going to make me cry a lot. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it has a great combat engine too because. Even though um, a lot of the game is spent but, uh, taking place between two different worlds and two different sets of like gameplay elements in a lot of ways, the whole mechanic of the game is based on people's emotions. So when you are sad, you don't take as much damage, but you don't deal as much damage. When you're angry, you deal more damage, but you take more damage in return. And you actually have to switch between different types of emotions to do certain kind of attacks. You even have to change the emotions of the bosses and other characters that you're fighting to try to turn the battle to your uh, favor. And there's a lot of that element where you kind of level up your character in kind of like an earthbound kind of way, where each character has their own unique skills and stuff like that they can use. And you have to manage these emotional systems the entire time to make sure that uh, you're not getting completely destroyed by bosses and other monsters. And on top of that, it tells this crazy story about this uh, traumatic thing that happened to this uh, this child and how he's trying to deal with it. And once the entire picture forms and you have the whole story in front of you, every single thing that kind of was like, huh, what what is that about? 
every single thing makes sense. And the way the game ends uh, just really, really, really took my breath away. And uh, that's really all I'm going to say about that game. It's a game that I didn't know much about until I watched a YouTube video about the game that was, like, non-spoilery. And then I was, uh, you know, inspired to check it out. And once I did, I was like, wow, I can't believe I missed this game last year. So Uh, even even with spoilers, the thing that really sold me on the game was that, um, and I'm not going to say too much detail, um, was that there's a choice you can make at a certain point Mm -hmm. that has a full game like the game continues on in one of the worlds and it's like i'm like they built all of that like normally that'd be a game ending decision of like yep well too bad but no like they built that whole run um still and i'm like okay well i need to see how the hell like knowing the spoilers i want to see what the hell happens there because like that to me is like crazy game development like to build something that most people are just aren't going to see because logically it doesn't make sense yeah it's that thing where you choose a one side and like the witcher 2 or something like that you don't get to see a, a like third of the game because you made a different choice and you get a different thing and it's the same thing with Demori, um where you go through entirely different experiences you have different boss encounters and blah 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 um and it's kind of crazy and it really makes sense in the context of it but uh yeah, I'll just I'll just leave it at that. And you know you know what it is. And I will say that I was spoiled in certain elements of that game too. It did not hamper my enjoyment of that game in the slightest. So, you know, don't let that uh deter you from trying out the game because I think it's uh exceptional. Uh just don't expect to going into it to be like a triple A game or anything like that. This is a very small indie game and you can see it uh just on the visual side of things. It's on like a four by three by native um, you know, it just doesn't really have a lot of like PC game options or something like that. But it really doesn't need it because of the because of the kind of game that it is. So yeah, it's, you know, just just give these games a shot. And like I said, Year of the Indies. I think I put like five game, five indie games on my uh, top ten list this year. That's more than any other year that I have, and top three all indie games too. So when I hear about people that say like, hey, I didn't you know have a lot of great experiences this year. When it comes to gaming, I would say like, hey, you know, if you broaden your horizons a little bit uh, with a lot of indie games that are coming out, uh, I think you might be in for quite a surprise. And, you know, in the long term, you'll have a really good experience. So, yeah, check those games out. Excellent. Uh, All right, Drew. It's your time to shine. My time to shine, huh? Yeah. Okay. Well, to start off. Uh, my disappointment slash bad games of the year. There's only one. It goes to 12 minutes. <laughs> Congratulations, 12 minutes. You're probably the worst game on ZTGD. <laughs> I'm sorry, but even you can even ask Matt. Matt was like, the, I didn't like this game. <laughs> it was it was just frustrating. It, it was a frustrating, like, bang your head against the wall. And when you figure stuff out, you still had to... It was just a, it was a game of trial and error, and I was like, after about two hours of that, I was like, I just want to see the end of this so I can be done with it. And then I saw the end, and I was like, I don't even know why I wanted to see the ending of this. Yeah, it's a pretty gross ending. Yeah, yeah. Willem the Foe is the best part of that game. <laughs> uh, honorable mentions. Now, these are going to be some weird ones because... Um, 
one on here, Ken's going to laugh at me, but I'm going to throw it out there because I feel like they at least they at least did something different, uh, and that is uh, the Dark Picture Chronicles House of Ashes. I I don't know that I need to laugh at that. I like the story in that game. That they they did something completely different, and I don't think me or you ever saw that coming. Which is weird because that is an obvious thing. Yeah, but. The way the story I played, was, I played that game, and you guys are dancing around something. What What are we talking about here? You played through the new house. Yeah, I, I did. But are you talking about the the reveal of the things? Of what what they were? What they were? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, sure. Sure. All right. Yeah. Because because the past two dark picture games were more of a psychological Twilight Zone kind of thing where. Not everything is what it seems. This one is just straight up. Oh yeah, the, no, this is these are real, and and this is what they actually are. And I, I wasn't expecting that. Honestly, I was expecting this is just PTSD from a war, you know, or something like that. Yeah, when they were real, I thought they were like, you know, what they kind of lead them to be. Yeah, but they're totally not that. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> But um, yeah, no, I, I want to give it an honorable mention because it's still glitchy as all get out. <laughs> but that's probably the best one they've done since Until Dawn. The sun breaks the game. No kidding. <laughs> How many times did we see that scene? At least six times. At least six times. I was just like, times. oh my God, we have to reload this again. <laughs> uh, next honorable mention. And I don't think anybody has ever played this game. Rainbow Billy and the Curse of the Leviathan. I played that game. That game is good. It's not bad. That game is really good. And it is, it's, it's so heartfelt. And I think like a, a, a parent and their child could sit down and have a fun time with that game. You gave that game a nine. I did. It's a pretty good game. And it's your honorable mention. Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, be, I, I don't I, because if I if I if I put it on my list and like people who listen to this are gonna be like oh I'll try this out and they're gonna play it and like oh this is a kids game it is a kids game like you know I don't I don't want I don't want to like and plus the other things on this list I think I enjoyed more but Rainbow Billy is like for what it is that's a fantastic game um the next one I don't think anybody's gonna have it on the list but I had a pretty good time with it for the what week we played it the ascent oh no that's on my list. Okay, all right. The I love Ascent. that game. Yeah, this, the Ascent is actually really cool. Um, I know we only played it for about a week, but that was a really fun week. I kept playing after that, and I, I still haven't gotten all the way to the end, but I really like that game. Yep. Cyberpunk 2077, eat your heart out. <laughs> yeah, it, with the isometric view, kind of feels like a Diablo, but without the loot and progression as much, and... Yeah. I don't know, there's just did something some, about that game. Did someone mention 2021 narrative game of the year, Cyberpunk 2077? Uh-huh, right. <laughs> okay, cool, just, just checking. I still haven't played it, because it's not... I still haven't played it either. Yeah. I'm I waiting either. for it to get the next-gen upgrade. Yep. I've only put three hours in it. Uh, next game is something that huh, I know Ken's going to laugh at because I have yet to get you the review for it. Uh, Death's Door. Yeah. It's a, it a really good game. Yes, it is. I'm surprised uh, that it took one hour and 42 minutes before somebody mentioned the words Death's Door. 
That Best game is so I didn't good. play it this year. Oh, I Death, have too much shit. Death's Door is this year's Hades for me. Uh, it's high praise, man. Hades is crazy. Well, it's, a different, it's a different kind of game. It's a different I mean, kind of you... game, but it, it ha- it's in the same kind of vein as it as far as the combat goes, though. Yeah, 100%. It's, you, it's more Zelda do... than it is anything else. And... Yeah. I need you to compare it to stories. Go. I mean, the combat is is this good? The combat's a lot. Yeah, the combat's a lot like it. Yeah. Um, stories, man. Stories, you can't beat stories. Stories is so fucking good. <laughs> stories, the Path of Destinies is one of the best games I've played in probably ten years. It's a really good game. It is it, so good. It sucks that the follow up was not good. Sorry, right, w- wait a minute. It was not as good. It, it was wasn't very good. good. It really oh, come wasn't. On. Come on. It was okay. Uh, it was okay. Yeah, that's it right there. It was okay. That was it. That's the best it gets is that it's okay. It was mediocre. There's a anyway. Stories 2? That's just no. it. It's not Stories 2. It's... Oh, God. I can't remember the what name What the fuck was the name of that game? But I remember I it remember. like very clearly. Roman, it's Roman Sight? Roman Sight. Roman Sight, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. And it got a 69 in Metacritic, man. That's about that's about right. Yeah, I'd give, yeah. I'd say that's about accurate. Well, stories that's got didn't get that high either. Well, that's because people are dumb. Stories is awesome. Stories is fantastic. Stories is really fun, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, next game. Speaking of stories, Monster Hunter Stories Two: The Wings of Ruin. Damn, I gotta play that game. Monster Hunter Stories Two is a really really good game. It sucks on Switch. I mean, that should be like the tagline of 2021 is like, if it's on Switch, well, let's put a little asterisk next to it. Yeah, there, there is, there is a lot of padding in that game too, mm-hmm. like a lot of padding in that game. But the moment-to-moment gameplay is actually really fun, um, and they throw everything at you. Anything in Monster Hunter, you're gonna find it in Monster Hunter Stories too, like. Yeah. They go they game. go through tons of monsters in that game. It's really good. It is. Uh the next one, I don't think anybody's gonna mention at this point. Persona five strikers. That came out I, this I, year? I just started playing that game like It's um, great. And it's legit the sequel to Persona Five. Like the I mean, and it, it's worthy of it. That game is is really good. It gets monotonous. It, it most certainly gets monotonous after a while because it is a warrior's game. It's a Muso. So do RPGs. But but the thing the thing is is like they have that persona feel to it. They still have that persona story to it, and it's really really good. Like it, it like I I can't suggest that enough to anybody who likes Persona. You really need to play that game. What if I only it's like Muso? If you only like Muso, then you're gonna be in hog heaven. Because that is a straight up a Muso game. That's the one they just gave that away on PlayStation Plus, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I may have to check it out. I've never played a Persona game, but I do like Muso games. So, so here's the deal: you're going to be lost if you start trying to figure out the story in that game. I just hope I can... I'm I'm less worried about the story. Yeah, because it's, it's a like, Muso like game. A, it's it's legit like a year later after Persona Five, and like they, they don't pull any punches. They're like, hey, you remember? Last year, that crazy thing happened. Yeah, that was crazy. So and how just, how much keep going. how much dialogue do I have to sit through before I get to whack people? A good amount. Fuck, maybe I won't play it. This it's not like it's not like four hours. Like no, that. no, but I mean it's a good hour of dialogue, probably. Yeah. But yeah, 
an hour right. of dialogue before I get to whack people? Dude, it's a it's a persona game. Can I skip it? <laughs> yeah, you can skip. Yeah, you can skip it. Okay, I I just kind of want to whack people in a stylish fashion. I don't want to listen to them talk about their day at school. That that that, know, that game's got a lot of stylish stuff to it, and also there is no school because they're this summer vacation and I'm they're sorry. going on they're going on a, a trip. No more tests. So, yeah. Anyway, give a fuck where they're going. Just let me whack people. And here goes my top ten. Yep. So the my number ten would be higher on my list had I played it more. Resident Evil Village. Oh, you didn't beat that game? No, dude. I, I I am I am still getting chased by a big tall vampire lady. Holy cow! You're not even started. I know, I know. But what I played of it so far, I was like, this is legit. It continues to be legit. Yep. I need to hear Drew's reaction to the the dollhouse. God. Damn it! <laughs> it's gonna have a good time there. Whew. I'm gonna, I am gonna get to that eventually. I just, I don't have time. So good. I, I, I just, I, I just finished Death Stranding, and that took forty five hours. <laughs> that was your know. choice to make, my friend. And I don't know if I like that game or not. Oh, that that's what sad. disappoints me the most. Yeah, yeah. I love that I game. Just, uh, I, I like that game. Kojima's yeah. gonna Kojima, and. It works better in Metal Gear than it did this game. Yeah, but Mario and Peach. I'm going to hard disagree. Oh, hard God. disagree. That's the biggest cringe freaking cutscene ever. So, and, and it's freaking Norman Reedus saying it. It's like I can't do his voice. So I'm Mario and you're in Princess Peach? And then she's like, no, it's more like Princess Beach. And I'm like, oh, my God. Shoot me in the freaking face right now. And then they run along the beach and smile at each other. It's fucking stupid. Anyway, I mean, if if only it would have kicked off with like, imagine me and you, and you and me. Oh man, <laughs> that game. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, uh, next one, and I don't think anybody's going to have this on the list unless Ken has it. Uh, In Sound Mind. No, I don't. I like that game, but yeah. Man, In Sound Mind. They did some things in that game I've never seen before. It's a trippy ass game. That's that sure. game. There, I have to bring this up. I mentioned it whenever I talked about it before. One of the coolest things about that game, you get your first quote weapon that you can get in that game is a piece is a broken piece of mirror, and you're in this creepy, freaking like abandoned supermarket, and there's these ghost figures like floating around trying to trying to find you. If they see you, they will chase after you. But because of the story. The ghost is represented by a woman who can't stand the look of her own face. So you have to hold the mirror up in front of you and look behind you when she's chasing you and it will scare her away. I was like, this is cool. Like, this is like, you're like Medusa, this shit. It's crazy. That game is is really, really cool. And I don't think a lot of people out there played it. No, I didn't. uh, Like a horror adventure game? Yeah, it's a horror psychological game. I didn't play. see like anybody talking about that game, and that game was no. super cool. Yeah, that game is legit really cool, and I think a lot of people out there should try it out. Um, Up next, Forza Horizon 5. Another one of those. Hey, I played for two weeks. It was really, really fun two weeks, and I haven't went back to it. Yeah. Forza. I, know, Ken, I, I know you hated it, but... Uh, yeah, I hated it. I gave it an 8. I hated it. What <laughs> a dumpster fire, am I right? I know. <laughs> I know, right? Whew, I got a lot of flack for that eight. Like, how could you not think this is the best game of the year? Because yeah, it didn't. Well, 
I had people say that about my seven for Metroid Dread. That's true. Yeah, I know. Uh, number seven, Halo Infinite. Uh, I don't know if it would be higher on my list or lower on my list. I have not played enough of it, but what I have played of it, including a lot of the multiplayer, probably the best Halo game to come out in the past six, seven years. I mean, it's the best one three four three has done for sure. And you can't say it's the best in like six or seven because that was like when the last one came out. <laughs> That's true. It's probably the last. It's probably the best one in like a decade, at least. When, when did when did Halo Five come out? God, that was uh, um, two thousand fourteen. Yeah, Halo Five came out in twenty fourteen. Yeah, twenty fifteen. Sorry, twenty fifteen. Yeah, it's a long time yeah, ago, it... Drew. Holy crap! Yeah, that's how long Halo Infinite took to make, and, and that's Never apparently how long last, it... last decade. Then, yeah, that's how long it takes three four three to make a good Halo game. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> No kidding. Number six, Pokemon Shining Pearl and Brilliant Diamond. Uh, that is a really, really good Pokemon game. And Anthony hit on it a little bit, but the underground stuff, that just adds ten times more to that game. I wish the Switch didn't suck. But again, we're talking about the Switch being a piece of shit. So I bought a Switch OLED, and that save does not transfer via cloud. So I lost the six to seven hours I'd played it, and I've never started over. Really? Yep. That's the only cloud save that I could not transfer. Okay. Yep. So. Uh, number five. Uh, probably would have been higher, but I've only three hours into it. Inscription. What I've played of that game, I'm like, this is something special. I feel like at this point, with all the points added up inscriptions the sites game of the year yeah, yeah. <laughs> inscription inscription to me because i've never i've never actually played this game inscription to me feels like how people felt when they when they played at launch undertale there's, there's obviously more to undertale than what you are let on to believe there is definitely more to inscription than I... what you're led to believe I just want to say this, that Undertale got spoiled pretty quickly, and I still don't feel like, unless you've gone out to search for it, like Ken did, um, I don't think you can stumble into inscription spoilers. The internet seems to, knock on wood, uh, have been pretty good at not spoiling it. Unlike Spider-Man. (laughs) <laughs> unlike Spider-Man, unlike Undertale, like those things seem to be kind of like hard to miss. I I have yet to have, I, as far as I can tell, I have yet to be spoiled on Undertale, and I've okay. never I've never actually played it. Yeah, my my sons beat it twice, so I'm I know everything there is to know. I was gonna about say you're it, spoiled despite twice. Never playing it. I don't know that I know all of Undertale either. I've only played like. Maybe an hour, hour and a half of it, but I don't think I've been spoiled on it. So yeah, or maybe I've seen a spoiler and didn't realize it was a spoiler. Maybe that's the case too. I think like... that's I think that's probably more the case with that. Gotcha. But, like inscription, I've gone and looked, and like most of the people that are talking about it generally understand, like you know, Fight Club rules. Don't talk about it. Yeah, as soon as you start talking about it, you've already spoiled somebody. Yeah, kind of that's the reason why, like. I talk about, you know, the first couple hours only in detail. Yeah. And writing that review is really hard, but I'm glad you're enjoying it so far. 
I am. I th- I'll tell you one thing though. I, I can't. I can't beat the fisherman. I can't beat him. So I've, yeah. I've made it. I've made it to him four times, and I can't Ooh. beat him. Um, all I'm gonna say is, you might find that the idea of having uh, squirrels that regenerate as they die be really stupid, but that is one of the most broken skills that game can offer. Like, um, like you sacrifice a squirrel and it stays on the board? No, you sacrifice a squirrel, it returns to your hand, you can sacrifice the same squirrel, because you're not limited to what you could play in a turn. Right. That's right. Yeah. There, There's a lot of synergy stuff in that game. There are many, many, many ways of winning in that game. You can just make one OP card that, like, hits every single thing on the board for, like, six damage and just kind of brute force your way, or kind of spread out your power onto different cards and different effects. And the more you play, the more those things become, I say, readily available to you. So it's basically guaranteed. I would say you're going to beat the fisherman in the next one or two attempts that you do. Almost guaranteed, at least. That's my viewpoint. And then from there, you'll beat the next boss in the next one or two attempts as well. And then the final boss is blah. Okay. Um, have you used the pliers yet? Yes. Yeah. It's I one of the my... I have not used the dagger yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, I'm excited. <laughs> okay. I got the dagger, but I have not used it yet. Mm-hmm. Just use it when you're in a pinch. I, yeah. I, 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 I want the knife. <laughs> you can't have the knife, Ken. You don't want to play inscription. Can't be one of the cool kids. I didn't know if anybody would catch my golden child reference. <laughs> I understood it, Ken. I got Thank you. Number four, and I know this is this is going to get some chuckles out of people. Lawn mowing simulator. I expected it. Yeah, I expected it based on the way you talked about it a couple weeks ago. I can't help. I can't help it. Uh, <laughs> I, put, I, put, I put 30 hours in that game. Jesus Christ! Oh my God. <laughs> but he, but, okay, wait, wait, wait. He's, he's put 30 hours in lawn mowing simulator, but has not finished Resident Evil Village. It's true. Just it's not true. enough time, man. It's, there's no lawn mowing in Resident Evil, is all I'm saying. You, know? you, you don't know this that. Grass he is it? not going to cut itself. <laughs> I don't know what it was. It, it came. It came at a time where I just wanted to, like, you know, numb my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I really got into it. It's a good and dude. They, the the support for this game is insane. They've added streamers to the game. <laughs> They've they've added DLC where you can cut Stonehenge. If, if you pay me sixty dollars, I'm willing to let you cut my grass. I think no. it's on Game Pass. You don't have to it's pay on for Game it. Pass. Yeah, yeah, it's on Game Pass now. Well, you don't have to pay for it. You can you can cut grass for free. They're adding leaf blowers. To the game. <laughs> oh shit! How will oh, that change God. the meta? Oh, it does. Because you get I, charged if you leave a bunch of grass clippings on the, on the sidewalks shit. and stuff. Holy shit. I, I I know you're genuinely enjoying the game, and I'm glad for that, but I just can't take it seriously, man. I don't know. Only to me. It's lawnmower. I don't even like doing that in real life. Why would I like doing that in a video game? It's It's relaxing. I, I guess. And it's hey, also, man. it's not just you lawn mowing. I mean, you're, you're running a business. It's a business simulator. Hmm. I, 
I, as much as I make laugh at Drew's, I mean, the updates has really got me the most any amount of time, but like that power washing simulator has been calling my name. Yeah. Like, oh, satisfaction. Yeah, people love that. People love House Flipper, that kind of stuff. I tried House Flipper. I did not dig House Flipper. I got into it for a little while. I did like Lawn Mowing Simulator, but I only got through about three or four lawns, and I was like, eh, okay. Now, my top three games, before I get into them, I forgot an honorable mention. This is something I haven't actually mentioned on the show, but it's something I've probably put about 20 hours into. There's a game called Super Auto Pets. (laughs) What? Super Auto Pets. I feel like this is a phone game. It's a free-to-play game. It's on Steam, and it's also on your phone. I have it on both. (laughs) Boy. And it is... Jay, you may actually like this game, because (laughs) it feels like a... It's almost like a card game without cards. (laughs) I'm looking at screenshots, and I still don't know what this game is. You, You choose pets that you can then level up in between rounds. You can also give them super abilities. On top of that, each pet has its own special ability. Oh my god, there's a tier list for super auto pets. Dude, of course there is. You've got to understand how addicting this game is. Somebody sells farts in a jar, of course there's incorrect, a tier list. Incorrect, Drew. I don't <laughs> need to know how addicting it is to not to know better. I don't need okay. to know how addictive crack is. I, I'm good. I don't have to okay. try it. It's okay, actually... the, the Caterpillar is an S tier. But the Tyrannosaurus <laughs> Rex is an eight here. I yeah. mean, I that okay. that tracks. Dude, okay, dude, the, cool. the, the here's your combo: camel, kangaroo. You put the camel in front of the kangaroo. Every time the camel attacks, it buffs the kangaroo. Every time the camel attacks, the kangaroo buffs itself. Every it's time the amazing. kangaroo attacks, the kangaroo. Buffs Typically, the way itself. it happens in the wild. I think, so, I, I think Drew I, just had I, a stroke. Uh, I, I had a stroke, I think. <laughs> I, look, I'm just saying Super Auto Pets is really addicting. It's actually really Okay. And it's so completely free. So, it's so free to a, play. I have a question, Drew. Was this picked up because you were at work? Sometimes, yes. <laughs> uh, actually, a co-worker told me about it. He's like, you need to try this game. I was like, it looks dumb. He's like, it is dumb, but it's also fun. I was like, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, fuck so. it. Whatever. All right. Maybe maybe I'll download it for something to play when you're on the toilet, right? Yeah, dude. I, Jay, this is t- completely up your alley. You would you okay. would actually really enjoy it. All right, this game. all right. You, you gave it a strong recommendation. I shall download it on my phone right now. Time to get okay. them. Time to buff them camels. There you go. So my top three, my top three games of the year. Uh, I, I, I I've deba- debated on it and I've switched one. Uh-oh. So that's okay. Uh, also, I want to give a shout out to my wife. She helped me make this list because I was like, oh crap, I haven't made my list yet. So she's like, <laughs> okay, well, let's write them all down. And she made the list and everything. And she also wanted me to say what her game of the year is on the show. Her game of the year is Until Dawn. It's her game of the year every year since we played it. <laughs> Fair enough. My goodness, awesome. it's two hours into the show and we haven't even made the Overwatch joke yet. No, I'm not <laughs> going to make the Overwatch joke. I know you're mad at that game. I'm not mad at the game. I'm done with it. I deleted. I have deleted it off my hard drive. We're it done. Is, I'm not is, mad at it. I'm just done with we're it. We're done. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. That definitely Watch. sounds like something a jilted ex would say. It's true. <laughs> I'm not mad at him. I'm just done with him. Yeah. That's how I feel. All right. Top three. There are still two games on my list nobody's mentioned yet. I want to see if you grab one of them. I know you won't grab one, but 
I know one I will grab. Okay, good. Number three, which I'm surprised Jay didn't say, unless this is like some kind of rule he can't do. What is it? Diablo 2 Resurrected. Uh, that's in one of my favorite, uh, one of the most played games of the year, but it's certainly not one of my favorites with all the fucking issues that the game has had. All right, yes. I I, I will give you that. That game, fix your friggin' servers, Blizzard. But, I mean, they fix, as far as I can tell, the servers are fixed now. By the time we finished for Phoenix Down, um, the servers were pretty much solid. Um, but man, that's one of the best games ever made. Holds I mean, up. It really is. And it holds up great. Yeah. Yep. I mean, man, I had a blast with that game playing the Hammerden. Absolutely loved it. Uh, and I switched the two. I switched my, my number one. Uh, my, my number two game of the year is Monster Hunter Rise. All right. It was going to be my number one, but, um, thinking about it and actually talking to my wife, um, which I, I should I should mention, Monster Hunter Rise is my most played game this year. Um, I'd say I put probably around seventy or eighty hours into it. Um, yeah, they didn't finish the game when it first launched. I'm not a big fan of the rampage quests; those are kind of meh, from in my opinion. But the combat in that game is sublime. The wire bugs, Drew, is so nice. Oh, my God. Dude, not even that. The wire bugs make it ten times. The wire bugs make even the slowest of weapons viable. On top of that, my main boy, the hunting horn, had the best buff of the year. It was yeah. so freaking good. The, the If you're not running a hunting horn, you're playing that game wrong. Ooh, it is works. so good. <laughs> It is it so is, good. It is the best version of the hunting horn in any monster game for sure. It is. It is. And I absolutely love it. Like that's like I was I was maining I was maining it in a world and you know, you gotta play your notes. Shh, fuck that shit. Monster Hunter Rise, just hit buttons. Who cares? Yeah, you're probably doing something positive, right? That's right. Breaking <laughs> passing on top of a T Rex. <laughs> that's right. But uh yeah, Monster Hunter Rise. It is a fantastic game, and it is probably the most accessible Monster Hunter game to date. Um, but my number one game of the year. I'm so shocked by this. You're sh- you are shocked by this. I am shocked by this. Okay, uh, my number one game of the year is Guardians of the Galaxy. That game is so Whoa. fucking good. Guardians of the Galaxy is legit one of the best games to come out this year. It really is. It's it's it is it, it is funny. It looks amazing. It plays really fun. It never takes itself too seriously, but when it does take itself seriously, I'm not kidding around with you guys. This game made me cry at one point. Really? Yes. It's 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 written extremely well. It is. It is. Dude, like you know, I mean like I, I'll throw it out there. You know, everybody knows my mom passed away last year. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene with Drax and Star-Lord and Star Lord's talking about how his mom is dead. It made me fucking tear up. Like I couldn't help it. Like I was like, this is this is I never expected this from this video game. Yeah. It is really, really good. And my wife convinced me to put it at my number one. Because she was like, Drew, I know you really like Monster Hunter, but 
while you were playing Guardians of the Galaxy, you would come and talk to me about it. You would never talk to me about Monster Hunter. <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, but I mean, you know Guardians of the Galaxy. And she's like, but still, yeah, I can tell you were really passionate about that game, and I am. Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy is legit. If you have not played that game, play it. It was so end. it was so weird because we had that game super early, and I was playing through it. And I, and I know I was telling you guys behind the scenes. I'm just like, you do not know how good this game is. Yeah, like you just—it's unfathomable that it should be this good. <laughs> you know what killed Guardians of the Galaxy for me? This Avengers. Year, as far as yes, <laughs> Avengers came on Game Pass, and I was like, well, I still haven't played that game yet, and you know it's free on Game Pass. So I'll play it, and I played Avengers for like three, four hours. I was like, it's not good. It's. it's- it's so there's so much of a budget behind that game. I feel like I should like it for what it is, but the gameplay is not great. The story is kind of boring, and then I see Guardians of the Galaxy, and I I hear you know some good things about it, but then I just play the Avengers, and I was like, do I really want to go into another? No, no, no Guardians of the Galaxy. No, 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 no. I'm telling you. All right, Avengers wishes it could play as good as Guardians of the Galaxy. I would almost guarantee you that Guardians of the Galaxy will hit Game Pass this year. Probably. Oh, really? it's, Probably. I mean, every Square Enix Western game has eventually hit Game Pass. Cool. So, Just, uh, I bet that this happens. I'm Avengers right now because I forgot the, I didn't do that. The way they handle certain characters in the game, Drax is a completely different character from the movies. Drax, Drax in the movies is an idiot. Yes, the Drax in this in this game is not an idiot at all. He is just straight into the point, and he's, he's still very, very funny. And he's still very very funny. But it's it's the the joke is that he doesn't get it, not because he's an idiot. It's because he lacks emotions. Yeah, and like in the movie, it comes off more as like, ha, he doesn't get emotions because he's dumb. There's a part in the game where Peter is like, okay, we're trying to sneak around people. And Peter's like, okay, we're going to try and be quiet, okay? So everybody just relax. We're going to sneak by these guys. And he turns and looks at Drax. Drax is about to cut a, a dude's throat who's sleeping. He's like, what about quiet? Do you not understand? Dead is quiet, Peter Quill. <laughs> it's really, really good. I'm telling you guys, the play The use this of game. music. The use right. of music too. The use yep. of music in the that game is fantastic. Scrounging for because I, I so here's the reason why I didn't make my list. I didn't finish it. I didn't play a lot of it. I got to like past the second mission and onto the third and didn't even start the third mission. So like I just I I wanted to play it and just lacked time because I got it towards the end of the year. Oh, you never um, made it nowhere, dude. I I finished the um, exploding base level. Yeah, oh, you well, you haven't yeah, even yeah. started that game. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I I was li- they were literally scrapping for credits. And the use of uh, "Everyone's a Winner" by Hot Chocolate, I was like, "God damn, <laughs> that is the perfect use of music because it just starts in, and I can hear the riff going." And I was like, "What song is it? Oh my god, it's Hot Chocolate." <laughs> Yeah, uh, they, I was they have really the impressed. huddles. The huddles are really good too. And so then I have... fucked up the huddle, so it played. Um... Never gonna give you up. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you if you win that huddle, and you inspire everybody, it plays. 
everybody Wang Chung tonight. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that game is that game is something special. It it depresses the hell out of me that Avengers ruined that game. And they have nothing to do with each other at no, all. No, they're not even the same kind of... Guardians of the Galaxy has a little bit of mass effect in it to the point where yeah. like you're you can do these like quests and find items for characters and get backstory that that's not in the game and it's it's really another good. thing that kind of turned me off from Guardians is that you can only play as Peter Quill the entire game or can you play as Demi- No, you can only play as Quill, but the combat is built around you controlling the other characters. Yeah. Um, you're like giving commands and stuff. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Very like, Final and... Fantasy 15. Yeah, yeah. It's it's that's exactly what it's like. It's like Final Fantasy 15. But here's the thing: if you're not giving your characters commands, you're gonna fail at that game. Yeah, they need to do their stuff. And luckily, it, it's really well done to where like you just hold a button, and then each character is assigned to a button, and then you can do different moves with them. And it's it's a lot of fun. It gets a little chaotic towards the end, but it's really good. Um, I think Ken just made sure that I won't buy that game. I'll just wait for it to come to Game Pass at some point. Yeah, I I know. I but it really is worth buying. I, I this it game is. was worth sixty bucks. Absolutely, okay. absolutely. It's on my list. That's it for me, though. All right. Well, we are deep in this, so I will go through mine. Uh, we do have some emails and some tweets. I will read those next week. I promise. I don't want to keep everybody here for three hours. I'm going to give you the worst game of the year. And it's it's not 12 minutes for me. Sorry. <laughs> well, I, I didn't even play. I didn't even play I enough had, of that I almost game. had the hat trick there, man. Yeah, I know. I, I just didn't play it enough to care. Uh, the game I did play enough to hate excruciatingly was Werewolf the Apocalypse Earthblood. <laughs> I forgot that game came out. <laughs> Everybody forgot that game came out. It is so bad. What if we tried to make Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, but with Werewolf the Apocalypse, but also do a terrible job? Cool. Oh my god, it's so bad. I couldn't believe how bad it was when I was playing. I was like, this is this can't be this bad, right? Always Metacritic bad. of 56. Yeah, that's generous. Uh, uh, disappointments. Drew, be mad at me, but back for blood. I'm not necessarily mad at you because I had that on my list. Like down everything that I played, and back for the blood was on there. And she was like, "Do you want me to put a star next to it?" I was like, "Nah, nah." Back for blood's okay. That's that's the best thing I can say about it. It's okay. My experience Very unremarkable. Well, my experience with back for blood was it crashing the first three days it was live. No. Um, not even in a game in the hub, it just crashed. Yeah. And then the card system, which I think is just un, there's no reason for that to be in a Left 4 Dead style game. Um, and then just the 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 not very interesting missions. It's like here is it felt like budget Left 4 Dead, which is just weird considering. Have I don't you know. Watched that? Have you watched that Crobat? No. Uh, video yet? Hmm. You need to watch it. Yeah, Back for Blood just. Oof. Um, as much as I said <clears throat> that I was happy this happened, Anthony, but Fatal Frame made in the Black Water was a disappointment. Oh, because they I remastered. Told you. Well, it's because they remastered the worst Fatal Frame game. Yeah, but it's okay. Past the first three, though. I mean, fair. But this one is like excruciatingly bad because the Wii U stuff is still in there from where it's like you hold the hand. The Wii- 
it, it's not it's Wii carryover. Sorry, that's Wii. the worst part. It's like so the Wii U game was just carryover shit, and like that's not why you play horror games. And and gonna be honest with you, behind the shoulder stuff, you have to be really good at scaring people. Otherwise, it doesn't work. No, this game was just. I'm happy Fatal Frame is back, but I need you to I need you to go back and do that trilogy, not not this crap. But but yeah. the finger on the the monkey's paw curled as yeah. you made the wish. Yeah, and my final disappointment was the GTA trilogy. Boy, that thing was busted at launch. I mean that. Oof. I didn't play it, so I, I did didn't have to put it on my list. I yeah, got to uh, see the sorry. the paper mache rain, which was awful. <laughs> oh my god. That I don't know how you fucked that up as bad as you do, but boy, you really fucked. They that did up. it, man. They really and uh, and just that whole that whole thing. Like, how is it? It can't get worse than it did. It every time I'd ask that question, like watching videos, I'm like it can't get worse though. It can. Yeah, it hundred percent can't get worse. I still don't know if it's fully fixed, but it's... I I play the originals, everybody. They restored them on PC. Play the originals. I've got quite a few honorable mentions. Some of them we've already talked about. Death's Door. Uh, uh, honorable mention that that game was wonderful. Uh, Tales of Arise. I know Jay and I talked about that one. Uh, Bio Mutant just slipped down to my honorable mentions. It was almost in my top ten. I enjoyed that game a hell of a lot. It was a it was a close call for me for Bio Mutant, even though it was number nine. I always knew it. It takes two was gonna be number ten because it wasn't like my favorite game of the year, um, but like the amount of time I put into Bio Mutant, I was like, yeah, no, that deserves to be number nine. It was that or Big Brain Academy, um, but Big Brain Academy, it's like I bounced off of because it was short. So you know, it, it ended up not making my list when I thought about it more. And then I've got two more honorable mentions. Both have not been mentioned by anybody, and that's assuming because nobody played them. Uh, chorus. You're right. Nobody in this yeah, group played I, chorus. I'm sure. Yet. I'm sure would have been on my list if I played it. Oh, it's I so. Have a, good. I have not played it yet. Yeah, that is a game I definitely highly recommend if you enjoyed space shooters, stuff like, you know, Colony Wars, and you know, arcadey style space shooters. This game is just so good. As has been well established, that is firmly my jam. Yeah. So. You should definitely play this game. And then the other game I played, I'm assuming nobody else played, was Kena, Bridge of Spirits. I did not. Oh, I, I played like the first 15, 20 minutes of that game. Uh, it seemed neat, but I never got back to it. I, I will play it eventually. Yeah, I I probably might have been higher on my list, but I only made it... I think there's three spirits that you have to unleash in that game, and I've only done the first one and started the second one, so I haven't made it super deep into that game. But wow, what an impressive feat for a first-time developer. Like that oh, game yeah, is absolutely. is really really good. Number ten, Anthony would be disappointed in me is Metroid Dread. I like that game even with the problems hey, I had. What, what? Hold on, hold on. <laughs> I don't hate that game. I, don't I know you don't that. hate it, but you hate oh, it just like I hate Breath of the yeah. Wild. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I like Metroid. And, and I like Dread. how Ken hates uh, Horizon. Forza Horizon, which by the way, not on my list because I hate it. But no, Metroid Dread, probably my third favorite Metroid game. Oh, maybe fuck fourth. You. Okay, now I'm disappointed with you. All right. Okay. I mean, I think Prime is the best. I think Super Metroid's the second best. Prime, Samus Super Returns Metroid. is probably third, and Dread's probably fourth. Zero Mission, Fusion. 
I didn't care as much for the GBA games. I really didn't. I'm just saying. He got so mad, he got muffled. I I I just couldn't. <laughs> I I oh. Wow. All right. Uh, number nine, Drew Solidarity, The Ascent. Love that there game. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Uh, number eight, Halo Infinite. Wow, that one's really far down there, isn't it? Felt like you got sour the farther you got in there. No, I mean, I'm like Ryan. I have a lot of problems with that game, but I still really, really, really love playing it. So, number seven is the only game on my list that is not on anybody else's list, and that's Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. I am shocked, but then again, I know Anthony and Drew do not have PS5s. And that's I didn't on play. my. That's like number four, my honorable. And okay. Someday was yeah. yeah. I really like that game. It was it, it it was a PS5 Ratchet game. Like Ratchet games have been the same game since what 2002 when the first one you came out. You don't really uh, improve upon perfection of a style. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's new weapons, a good story, some more planets, and maybe a gimmick or two. And not to mention, I... it's fucking beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. They, they've managed to be that way for a while now. I know people think, well, the PS4, but the last PS3 game was really well done, too. Yep. There there aren't many bad Ratchet and Clank games, and, you know, because of the developer, you know, they're so highly regarded for obvious reasons. When the game came out and it was great, I thought, just as I expected, you know? Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's exactly he, what I expected he, it to be. It was. It did not exceed my expectations, but my expectations were already high to begin with, and that's kind of the reason why it wasn't really on my list per se. But it was still a tremendous game. I can, I can give you like the the bad Ratchet and Clank games, and those are Full Frontal Assault and All for One. I was gonna say All for One better be on yeah, there because that one, game yeah. is bad. But those are. But they're not. They're not really bad games, but they're not good Ratchet and Clank games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So number six. Let's go cruising. Cruising blast, baby. Yeah, I mean, it, it is fantastic. It's It was just, like, compared to what I had on the list, I was like, man, I just I can't put this up. I can't even, than... like, I beat that entire game in one sitting, like, all of the tracks, everything. I just, man. it's It makes me want older racing games back, because, like, Forza Horizon, like, I've had my fill this point oh is this the game that you're comparing to like the old like ridge racer and stuff ken on twitter um i mean this is i mean i don't know that i was comparing it to ridge racer but it's it's of that vein of like arcade games mm, okay. um i i grew up loving cruising usa cruising the world cruising exotica um i was disappointed when they stopped making those style of games i i loved rush rush the rock rush 2 hydro thunder racing yeah Beetle Adventure Racing, like Nintendo kind of owns the market on those kind of games, and they just haven't done one, and this one came back, it's got Jarvis at the at the helm, they're going to make some DLC for it, I'm just glad the cruising is back. You can you can drift as a dinosaur, you heard that right. <laughs> and, a, and an Apache helicopter. And I forgot about the helicopter. That's right. Game, oh yeah. This game is so stupid, but it's so good. Uh, collecting the medals is fun yeah uh, collecting the medals collecting the hidden stuff throughout the levels the keys to unlock new things oh man the keys that's what I was thinking of yeah the keys oh the game's so good Uh, number 5 Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury as Anthony said Bowser's Fury is so fucking good you need to play it 
and then you get an amazing game attached to it. Exactly, Super Mario Three D World with the speed, the sped up uh, the character movement. Boost, um, yeah. yeah, man, that is a package that if you own a Switch and you don't have that, you've made a mistake. Hmm. Yeah. Um, number four, Guardians of the Galaxy. Hey, that game mm. is really good. Very good. Very good game. Probably would have been my game of the year, but these top three, uh, I just I couldn't. Number I swear to God, if one of them's Overwatch, I'll quit. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I played it this year, I'm more angry at it than. Ah, uh... Uh, okay, good. So, uh, number three is It Takes Two. Wow. Okay. I love that game. I wish that I could play that game like solo so that I didn't have yeah, to that's have what somebody. I was gonna say. The, yeah. The, the, if that game was solo, I would, I'd probably like, I walked away from that game going, I really wish they would take all the mechanics from this and make basically their own ratchet and clank game. Cause the, the nail gun and being able to use them as, um, uh, poles to swing on. And like the, the snow level, the movement in the snow level, and how good the swimming was. The Man, swimming it was, level it was, was like every level in that game is good, and and they play well. Like they're not uh, the only time I felt like okay, we're taking a little long was the tree, but um, yeah, the tree ran on a little long, but yeah, no, I love the game. I was just I'm surprised it's that high, but I mean, it, it's you're not wrong. I mean, fuck, I liked it, and I didn't go in expecting to like it. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was hesitant after a way out of like, well, how could how good can they do? Like, I respect what they're doing, but like, how good can this be? And then I played it. Way and I'm better. Like, I th- I think the biggest compliment you paid to it back when we talked about it is, is if somebody told you Nintendo made this, you wouldn't bat an eye. Yeah, like that's I how mean, it, good it controlled. The the only thing that kind of gets away that it's not is that um, the elephant the story. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so let's let's address the elephant in the room. <laughs> that sequence is so fucked up, but I laughed at it because it's like clearly dark comedy. Like it is not supposed to be sad, <laughs> but this, because they voted it favorite fa- best family game, some people played it and on um uh. Re- re- Reset era, somebody was like, Oh, my kid was crying at that sequence because, like, they were asking for forgiveness and you're like tearing it apart. Dude, that that game is and dark. I, that game is dark as like, hell. But it's like clearly done only because you're doing it to a stuffed animal. Sure. You know, like it. it but that whole game was like, there's a lot of touches where I was like, that's actually genuinely funny. As much as I hated the book, I started laughing at it by the end because it was like clearly supposed to be obnoxious. Oh, absolutely! Um, Every time he came on screen, I was like, "Oh, uh, this fucking guy again!" Why you two are not in love? Go up, operation! Oh, that game! Yeah. All right, um, I went back and forth a hundred times, but I settled on number two is Resident Evil Village. Oh, that high, huh? Yeah, I mean, I love that game. It was almost my game of the year. I, I know what your game of the year is. Then I mean, it's obvious, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which means that Inscription is not the site's game of the year. No, Psychonauts two. It's two. (laughs) I'm all right with that. (laughs) (laughs) 
I am not the super fan that Ryan is of the first game. I thought it was okay. But holy shit, this sequel took everything and just put it on its head. There was not a level I did not enjoy. I remember every level in that game. The performances are stellar. The controls are fantastic. It's funny. And it's genuinely just the best game I played this year. I mean... I mean, it made me go back and finish the first game finally. And I loved the first game. And to be better than the first game in my eyes, like... Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, Psychonauts 2. I did not play a better game this year. Resident Evil Village was close, but in the end, I think there was just too there was too much of Psychonauts 2 that was good that I just could not pick it as the game of the year. So nice. There you go. Shocking, I know, right? We That's... got time if you want to do the emails. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm good. What else is good? What are we doing? What are we doing? Right. Actually, uh. Let's let's not do the emails because I forgot to mention a couple of things on my list that I totally forgot. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. We're in for it's the J Super Extended List. It's back. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, now we're talking about list. You got to talk about your favorite NFTs, right, guys? So oh, the fuck off. all right. Okay. All right. Mine's the no, fart. No, 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 no. Mine's the not. fart. I really like the monkey with the hat. Not that one. The other yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. The other the... hat. The, the fedora-looking <laughs> thing with the stripes. That's the best one. It, it looks like somebody took a random character, like the button that says "generate generate my character randomly" at a character creation screen and just did that over and over and over on the same monkey <laughs> yeah it's one of those like random generator things uh, but uh you know i'm not i'm not gonna go you know that's that's a joke we're not we're not going there but uh what i forgot was actually the biggest disappointment that i had written out and when i started hearing people talk about that i was like oh yeah i have one of those too and for me and this is probably not gonna be on anyone else's list because it's very niche but it matters a lot to me and that would be the sky at six um, and this is a series, uh, by Nisa, uh, Nippon Nichi Software that uh, I've been following since the PS2 generation. It's been going on for a very long time. It's near and dear to my heart because it's, it's a strategy RPG game that kind of always goes to the extremes when it comes to challenges and how powerful your characters can be. Because this is the game where you do trillions of damage per hit. You know, once you build out your characters enough, you're in the uh, tens of thousands of levels. You're fighting monsters with stats so large that they like leak out of their status windows because it's too much numbers to go with. And I love all of you know, all the elements about that, you know, just building up the characters and stuff. And the thing that this guy is six did, which I think was um honestly just a real kick in the balls for this fans and everything else in between is that they decided to make the game so bloated in terms of how long it takes for you to do certain things like level up your characters to maximum and build up certain stats and blah 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 to the point where they were selling microtransactions to make those things go faster and that's kind of thing that's kind of something that's never been done on any other disguise games they started becoming a bit more greedy and predatory when it comes to like DLC characters and stuff like that. Things that were previously included in the main game were now paid DLC that you have to pay for, like the main cast of like the Sky of One uh, thing being things that you have to pay for, and like the Sky of Five, for example. All these things that were kind of like slippery slope things that were kind of signs of things to come. 
uh, I saw those things, but I didn't want to believe it because I didn't want the game series to go down that route. And this guy at six kind of became that game. You know those games where you play on your phone where you just press the auto button and you just kind of let the game play by itself, and that is honestly the most efficient way you can play that game because the human timing for you to put in the commands for auto attacking and doing all these other things would actually take longer than the computer actually just doing it for you. And that's kind of what they made the Sky at 6 to be. You can program the game to basically play itself. I have about 70 hours in that game, but I have played maybe about 30. 40 hours of that game was the game on playing itself, leveling itself up. And initially, I thought that was kind of nice because I wasn't doing a lot of these things manually, which I had to do before. But when it came down to it, I would leave the game on for an hour, come back, and my characters are max level, and then I have to reset and do it again to kind of store those levels and do other things. But there was no connection. There was no sense of reward or accomplishment that I would get by you know, getting all these characters to high levels, creating these crazy items and weaponry and stuff like that and putting them to use, crushing enemies that I was, you know, having a tough time before. There was none of that. And then to see that they're actually selling, like, 100% experience boosts and money boosts and stuff like that as, like, uh, side things for certain amount of battles, it really felt like this was trying to be initially a mobile free-to-play game that they decided to just put out on Switch and call it the next Sky game. And it it's hard, man. It's one of those things where when you have something that you love and you have been following for a very long time, I've been following this guy a series for like two decades now at this point, and they go down this route where they're trying to become something that the series was never meant to be and going down this route, it really hurts. It really makes me feel like the gaming uh, you know, landscape is going down the wrong direction, and that's what the game made me feel. And if you read my review on that game, it's relatively scathing in a lot of ways because of that. And if I were like a first time playing you know, this guy game for the first time, this guy 6 was the first one, you might actually in fact like it. But based on the history, based on the, also the fact that the characters are like the least, least interesting and likable in this compared to all the other entries, it just rubbed me the wrong way. And um, you know one of those things, or rather, you know how you know you're upset about a game is when you, when they send you a survey and you take 30 minutes writing out a response <laughs> to a video game survey. I never do that. I don't care enough to do that for most game series, but I did for this one, and I I hope they take it to heart what a lot of the fan base is saying. But uh, yep, that's my uh, biggest disappointment. And I personally don't have like a worse game these days because. Like Ryan, our times I think are becoming more and more limited. And when I put up a game and I say like, "Well, this game isn't very good," I just kind of stop playing it immediately. <laughs> so I don't, I don't have a lot of those games. But um, I do remember playing um, some games on like Game Pass. I know you guys probably do the same thing where it's available on Game Pass. It seems kind of interesting, so you kind of boot it up and give it a shot. Um, and it kind of turns out to be not so great. So there's a lot of that, but I don't know. Just I've been staring clear of either requesting to review games that are have the potential to be bad, or you know playing games for a long time that is bad, you know, just for the sake of it. So yep, but that's it. Yeah, and to to kind of piggyback on the Game Pass conversation, I almost feel like that probably was my game of the year. <laughs> game Pass. I mean, it gave me Psychonauts, it gave me Halo, it gave me Outriders, which I enjoyed. Um, mm-hmm. 
it kept me from buying Baldur's Gate. Uh, Baldur's Gate 3? The Dark Alliance, the one Ryan oh, talked about. One, yeah. yeah, that one. Like, that was on Game Pass. MLB The Show was on Game Pass. Fucking Back for Blood was on Game Pass. You know, like... And it goes to, like, you can have a Game of the Year on Game Pass with Psychonauts 2, but you can also have a huge disappointment on Game Pass. So it's like, you don't you don't have to pay for it. Like, you, it's just in your subscription. Yeah, that's that's fair. But when you're talking mostly on your experience using Game Pass and Series X, right? Yeah, Series X. Yeah, I know PC is a little different. Yeah, PC. I wish, and I know that this is on their radar because they made that uh, video about it, about the things that they want to bring to PC Game Pass. But boy, is it uh, just in dire need of some work. Because every single time I play a PC game on Game Pass, I know I'm going to be playing the worst version of that PC game. Every single time. It's going to be the slowest to be updated. It's going to have the least amount of features in terms of uh, modability and things I can do to try to fix the game on Game Pass. Game Pass versions of the same PC game on Steam that doesn't have the issues has exclusive issues that you can't fix on Game Pass because it's on fucking Game Pass. And the way they're trying to push Game Pass and how much value there is to the package it should be more of a priority for them to fix it on PC. It really should be, and I need them to get their fucking ass in gear and get these improvements in there because PC Game Pass experience is still awful. Huh? Yeah. But the games, tremendous value. There's best uh, best deal in gaming. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to whatever Sony's answer is this year because the more of these we have, the better off we are. Do you think they're going to do something like a Game Pass equivalent where they kind of get rid of PS Plus and do something like this instead? Well, that was kind of the rumor floating around towards the end of this year was that they're internally, I think Schreier reported on it, that internally they're working on a three-tiered system that's going to replace Plus and Now and just basically be, well, here's Tier 1, it's the cheap one, you get the free games. Here's Tier 2, you get uh, like the PlayStation Now service and then the tier three has the PlayStation Now service plus like back compat stuff from what I hear, like PS1 and PS2. Mm. So that's that's the rumor that's floating around. But the big kicker is is that Sony is not going to give you God of War Ragnarok on their Game Pass subscription service on day one. Well, that kind of uh, is not really a competition for Game Pass, if that's the point, though, isn't it? Yeah. Because that's the whole point for Game Pass. You get these crazy exclusive games day one uh, when they're available. That's the whole point. I just wonder uh, if Sony will start doing like third-party stuff like you know, Microsoft got Rainbow Six Extraction and MLB The Show and Back for Blood. Like, Will Sony start doing that? Like, oh, Final Fantasy sixteen is on this top-tier service or something. I mean, that would be one of the games to make a point with if they're going to use something like that. Sure. And the thing about Xbox is that uh, I know Xbox gamers hate to say it, but the games, you know, are all available on PC. But to me, that's a strength. Because when you have Game Pass, especially Ultimate Game Pass, not only do you have Game Pass for Xbox, you have PC Game Pass as well. So to me, that's a strength that Sony doesn't have. Because only a few select Sony exclusive games have made their way to PC. So if at the end of the day, if you're going to charge the same price as Ultimate Game Pass, but don't offer the second platform, you know, as like the PC that the Xbox does, it's still going to be a lower value. So because of that, it's going to be an uphill battle to the point where I don't think it's winnable for Sony. I don't think they should even play that game, to be frank. 
they're not going to be on the same playing field. They don't have the same resources uh, and the same kind of platform support that the Microsoft does. So as much as I would like to see like another value-oriented uh, like subscription for Sony where I could save some money in the long run because of the amount of games that we play, I don't think it would be successful for Sony uh, based on the logistics side of it, at least the way I see it. Yeah, no, I agree. And And to be fair to your comment about people mentioning you know game pass has the game on xbox and pc why is that a, a not a strength that's only not a strength to the fanboy war exactly that's what i meant yeah. yeah like that that part of it like if you think that's like a weakness you're a fucking moron yeah like <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know why people argue that they're like well it's not exclusive i don't give a fuck if it's exclusive i i think games should be everywhere i hate this timed bullshit Especially all... the meaningless time bullshit, yeah. Yeah, it's it's all stupid, and they all do it. And, you know, you need to stop. Like, your games, you want your... It's just like, you know, people want access to these games. Like, I've seen indie developers talk about Game Pass. Like, it's available to more people, so more people play it. That makes us happy. If you sign a deal that says we're only going to be available on this platform less people are going to play it. Sure, it might be on the Switch, which is the most, you know, the biggest selling console. But you're still missing that other 20% of the market. So and you're, and you're shooting yourself in the foot when it comes to the ambition of the title that you're trying to release because it's going to have to be smaller in scope if you're going to put it on Switch. Uh, just imagine if you live in a world where basically every game that is ever released comes out on different consoles. So every Sony game comes out on Xbox, every Xbox game comes out on Sony, every Nintendo game comes out on PC. That's like the the ideal game or world that I would like to live in, but uh, that's a bit of a fantasy for sure. Yeah, could you imagine, you know, playing some of these Switch games that are that are limited in in a in a box like the PS5 or the Series X or like a high end PC or something? Just... The thing that hurts the most, Ken, is that you don't have to imagine it because there are emulation options available for Switch and other things. So when I see Shin Megami Tensei playing at like 144 frames per second with like, you know, 1440p resolution, like buttery smooth on a PC uh, emulation, and then I'm here playing on my Switch, you know, <laughs> barely hanging on to the 30 and then kind of having all my inputs dropped and stuff like that because of lag and everything. It's just like, the the utopia exists. It just they just don't want you to have it. You know. It's yeah, hundred percent. That's I I really respect like Microsoft doing the the FPS boost, like going back to some of these old games mm-hmm. and playing them at sixty frames a second. It's just like wow. Uh, I I do feel bad about beating down the Switch because I think the platform itself is great for what it is. Sure. It just comes down to. It's late in the generation, right? So we're expecting more and more and more. And what we wanted from the iteration of the Switch wasn't just the OLED. We wanted more power. So I think whatever the next generation of console that Nintendo is going to make, I hope it'll be sometime in 2023, maybe. Yeah, but let's be fair. It won't be as powerful as probably the Xbox One X or the PS4 Pro. Probably Probably not, but, you know, at least we'll have a little bit more wiggle room in terms of performance. Yeah. The only games that look amazing and run at 60 frames a second on that machine are the Nintendo games, and, well, that's just because Nintendo are fucking wizards. Let's just be fair. 
Yeah, they know how to optimize their shit. Metroid Dread, the fact that that runs at 60 is pretty amazing. Every first party runs at 60 except for Hyrule Warriors, and I think that's just because, well, let's be fair. And then Breath of the yeah. Wild didn't run at 60, which was disappointing. Yeah. And the the fact that he either even ran at thirty is pretty impressive. It is, yeah, for that for that fucking for that game mobile yeah. chip that's in that thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. at least you not to play yeah. it on the Wii U like uh, like Ryan and Drew did. <laughs> well, I I actually <laughs> did my initial playthrough on Wii U. Oh god! And then I played it later on Switch. I had a good time. the The Wii I... U uh, thing with the map was pretty nice. Yeah, I I, enjoy, I enjoyed the game. I know it probably wasn't no, you as didn't. good on the Wii U as it was on the Switch. That's oh, true. That's true. <laughs> I hated it. I thought it was terrible. The worst. I I really uh, wish that, like, I hope that Nintendo's next machine, even if it is only as powerful as, like, let's say the 1X and the PS4 Pro, like, I hope that it's all backwards compatible and, like, Breath of the Wild runs at 60 FPS. That would be, be beautiful. Yeah, that would be super nice. Nintendo's track record for backwards compatibility is weird, it's though. trash. <laughs> no, no, they they had Wii U, which could literally play all Wii games, right? And then you had the Switch, which could, which could literally play none of the things. That they well, had. Yeah. Saying, but they had the Wii U that could play Wii games. They had the first editions of Wiis that could play GameCube games. Yeah, yeah but they removed that. Your Game that. Boy Advances could play Game Boy Color and Game Boy games. And then your DS could play just Game Boy Advance games, and then they got rid of it. But then yeah, the Switch yeah. can't play shit, and instead you're going to spend 60 bucks on a, an updated version of a Wii U Yeah, game. but you get Bowser's Fury with it, so I'm okay. That's the only one. The rest of them is, you know, the same game. Yeah. And then they put time limits on when you could buy it for whatever reason. Yeah, you, the Super Mario 3D collection. That's like, still weird. You think? You haven't seen any of that since... <laughs> Anyway, digital scarcity of things has always been a weird concept to me, but it is what it is. I mean, the the obvious evolution there is NFTs, right? <laughs> yes. I didn't mention it this time, so it's not my fault. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So that's 2021 in a nutshell. Hopefully, you know, listening to this, you you discovered some new games you want to go check out. That's always. It's always one of the things that I like is when when on people... Everhood. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like you go through these lists and you hear what these people are playing, and you're like, "Oh, I should check that out because they really enjoyed it." And yeah, I put four games on my to playlist after talking to you guys about stuff. So yep. I hope uh, the listeners have something similar. You know, write down some games that seemed interesting and uh, check it out. Absolutely. But uh, we're gonna get out of here. I know everybody is is running deep. Um, and I've got football to watch. You know, I got I got to pay attention to see if my team gets in the playoffs. Good luck. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've got three scenarios. There's two teams right now that if they lose, we're in. But if either one of them win, then we got to win tonight. So you know, it's one of those fun, fun scenarios. You gotta you gotta root for other teams. Not that you've laid down the scenario. You know what's gonna happen, right? Yeah. Well, right now, both of those teams are not winning. So if they okay. end up losing, okay. then you know. Oh, good luck, good luck, good luck. But still, we're the we're the primetime game tonight, so regardless of what happens, if we win tonight, we're in. Which... Just take your blood pressure medicine first before you start watching I will definitely game. have to take my blood pressure medicine. I'll have to keep cool, because I'm sure it's <laughs> going to be a stressful evening. 
every time I know Raiders uh, game is on prime time, uh, there's always going to be some great tweets coming from Kansas accounts. I always look forward to this. Yeah, yeah, I get I get a little worked up. If you can't tell, <laughs> sometimes my wife and my son are like, "What is all that noise coming out of your office? Why are you screaming?" <laughs> all right. Well, unless anybody has anything else, we're going to get out of here. Anybody? Anybody? Final thoughts on 2021? Great year for game. 2022 looks even better. I know, and it's kicking off soon. February is insane. February seems a little stupid. Um, Yeah. I don't even even know where to begin with February. It makes me feel bad for a game like Sifu, which might get buried. You think? Yeah, that's a bad time for that game to come out. And the game looks great, too, which is... It does look great, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I know the Terrence on our site played the preview version. He said it was fucking awesome. So, not games shouldn't be trying to go against like Elden Ring, like Horizon on, comes out. Yeah, next Elden month? Ring Horizon and stuff like that, and there's other games coming out in February too. Lesser fucking known games, Rainbow Six, um, King of Fighters. Fucking mm-hmm. Jesus. It's anyway, pretty yeah. All right, well then we'll get out of here. Alrighty, and it goes something like this. <laughs>